tonight's episode's a little different than your normal fare. We have a, a star-studded cast to come in and help us celebrate our 100th episode. So it, you're in for a, the long haul here. This is about two and a half hours uh, edited down. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, I had briefly considered posting all of the bumpers that I pulled over the course of you know 100 episodes and sticking them all at the front, but I thought, yeah, it's probably only funny for me. So hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> A, a loose rendition of our opening theme music. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're uh, firing up episode 100 tonight. So uh, thank everybody for uh, stopping by, checking it out. Uh, thank you to all the uh, the guests who are, are swinging by tonight. We'll have people in and out all night. Um, if we want to do introductions, we'll start from my left across the screen. So, Brett, if you want to go ahead. Cool. I'm Brett Miller, and uh, I know these guys... In a couple of ways, um, I don't know them in the biblical sense, luckily, but um, <laughs> met them at the, the, the Necronomicon convention a couple of years ago and uh, became fast friends. And then I did the theme music for them. Uh, I now play on the Fear Itself game with, uh, with, with John and Kurt and Neil. And good to be here. Nice to know these guys. Thank you, sir. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. I know you're muted, but go ahead and fire away. Uh, my name is Kevin, and I used to listen to Neil and John quite a while ago in the old Nerdbound days and ended up finding my way over here. I think it was actually from a bumper you put into Tondi's podcast at the beginning, and I recognized John's voice and ended up finding my way over and jumped in, and I actually play the trusty Voidmaster in the Rogue Trader games. That's crazy that you recognize me in a, in a bumper and found this podcast. <laughs> it was that, really that strange. Makes it all work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the voice came up at the beginning and you played it, and then Tondi mentioned the link. And I said, okay, I recognize that voice from somewhere. I just couldn't place it. And then obviously started downloading some of the actual plays <laughs> you were doing. And I said, yeah, now I know who, where yeah. I recognize that voice from. So That's awesome. Kurt, go ahead, fire away. Hi, I'm Kurt Amuler from the MFG cast. Um, I actually found John uh, and the guys pretty early when they were a shitty website, and now they're a <laughs> shitty podcast. So, you know, <laughs> things have Fair enough. gone so far in 100 episodes. But no, um, I also play in the Fear Itself game as the legendary Randy Anders, and just I've been on a few times to talk with the with these guys about RPGs and stuff like that. And it's just been fun to bullshit and hang out. So, congrats on 100 episodes, you bastards! Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Hey, you you hitched your wagon to this shitty podcast like right at the jump. So <laughs> I know, and I still regret it to this day. <laughs> quit, quit, right. quit, quit complaining. You haven't died of. Uh, you know, cholera yet. So clearly yeah. it's <laughs> that is not true. yet. Yeah. We're working on it. it. It's, you know, we've got plans. There's things happening. <laughs> Your wagon is doing just fine. You've forded the river. You're not dead of <laughs> cholera. You're fine. All right. We're going to jump out of order since we've, we've got this disembodied voice. So uh, Scott, go ahead and uh, throw out all your information there. 
Oh, uh, all right. So Scott Clancy, last surviving legionnaire here at uh, Fort Pagan Publishing, um, one of the authors of the Delta Green material for uh, uh, for uh, Call of Cthulhu, and now a standalone game coming to a Gen Con near you very soon. And um, I did not seek these people out. Uh, they came to me and said, quick, we need to fill a bunch of airtime. We understand you're a blowhard. Could you, <laughs> could you be a bore uh, for free uh, on our podcast? And I was like, sure. I, I require enormous amounts of um, reassurance that I'm important because I'm an author. So, you know, of course I want to be on your show. So I did. And then they asked me back to run a game and I've kept up. Out well. I've kept up with them since they're, they're, they're a lot more fun in person than they are. Uh, in a disembodied digital format, though, I will say that. We met you at, at Oscar's uh, notorious hotel par party. You were holding court off to my right. And I'm like, holy shit, that is Adam Scott Clancy over there. And we got shut down. That was the best thing ever. We actually kicked in. Hotel security came like we were fucking rock stars or something and mm -hmm. told us to, told us we were all thrown out. That the only weird. thing more impressive than watching Scott Glancy run a game is watching Scott Glancy with a drink in his hand at a fucking cocktail party. <laughs> you, you think he's awesome buying a keeper screen? Get drunk <laughs> with him if you can. <laughs> it's worth buying him the drinks. If you, can do, if you can do both at the same time, that's even, <laughs> even better. Uh, Necronomicon, a August. No, no, yep. no, 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 no. I, I can, I can do you one better. In uh, last Gen Con, I showed up to run some games to promote the new Delta Green game and show the new mechanics. And we had a bunch of people from the Kickstarter who were going to get the playing games that were, you know, run by some of the writers because that's what their their Kickstarter level reward was. Well, I show up at my game and not one but two of the of the players had brought bottles of scotch. Nice. To give me as a gift because they heard that I like scotch. So it was like a a bottle of Freud and a bottle of Ballantine, I think. And it was one of those things that was like, you know, four guys at the table. One of the guys doesn't drink. So it's uh, just four drinkers at the table, me and three other players. And I'm like, well, let's open the bottles up, you know, and everyone gets a share. Everyone gets, you know, let's have just a little drink. And sure, okay. And everyone got a drink. And that's lovely. And you know what? Let's have a second drink while we're here as long as we're at it. And, you know, you know, we should open the other bottle and compare the two bottles because, you know, that way you can compare the Lafroig, the Ballantine. And, you know, I could get up and go get the water uh, carafe from the table over there, but it's awful far. So I'll just grab the scotch here. We... <laughs> Between the four of us, we killed two-fifths of scotch in about Jesus. three hours, all right? Now, according to the, the guy who had no drinks, he said it didn't seem to affect gameplay at all. <laughs> but I have, no I have no recollection of getting from the Capitol Club Hotel on Capitol Circle back to the train station hotel you know, six blocks away. All I know is that one minute I was packing my bags after the game, looking at these two dead soldiers. And the next thing I was in my hotel room where my you know partner was telling me, I don't know if you need to go to a party. <laughs> this whole idea of going to a party may not be what you need right now. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, apparently it was Foster Brooks drunk, whatever that means. I, I don't know. <laughs> 
Dude, uh, D- Dimebag Daryl from Pantera, right? Guitar player from Pantera. He used to practice drunk at home. Practice <laughs> just so that he could go on stage drunk and still <laughs> perform. So that is a com- hey, it- that, that's some dedication. That's dedication, yeah. I think, more to drinking than to music, uh, honestly. But <laughs> go on tour, you know people are going to be buying you shots all the time. So, of course, mm-hmm. practice drunk so you know that stuff inside out. What's the line? Uh, uh, you can write drunk, but you have to edit sober. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> all right, I've, I've held up the progression. Let's move along to Oscar. Is Oscar the next victim? Yes, Oscar. Go ahead and... Uh... How do we know you and where do you come from? Um, I come from the Goblin's Lair, which is located in Queens, New York. And I know you by gaming with you. You crashed my room party. <laughs> um, we we got drunk together as strangers and we've been steadfast fucking friends ever since. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you were running, running Star Frontiers, can't you? And Anybody I play out? Star Frontiers with is my Whoa. brother. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, we had we did like six sessions of Star Frontiers. Yeah. Um, oh. Then life intervened. <laughs> well, Man, yeah. that's like I'm sorry, that's like doing a tour in the Nam. <laughs> Dude, it is so good though. Oh my it's god, fun. it was we 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 role played like it was night like 1989 again. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right, and we have Leah here with us. This is the first time I think that we've broadcast it all together. So, uh, how, how do we know you, and and what else are you doing? And obviously, you're a co-host here. So, <laughs> I I find it amusing that uh, I've been doing interviews and broadcasting for Legends of Tabletop, and I'm very proud to do so. Uh, but we've been doing this for about a year, and this is the first time. <laughs> Then we've been on a broadcast together, except for me and Vince. Vince joined me for the first broadcast. And I know I know you guys through Vince. And we role played Cola Catholo and I played Mago. <gasps> uh, <laughs> yes. Books. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, we often oftentimes <laughs> Oh no! You were frozen. Blackout drunk. It was great. Um, we what? It, we we almost got. Well, I mean, I would almost get blackout drunk on broadcasts that we would have for the Call of Cthulhu game, and yeah. So I yeah, we got we got buzzed. Yup, and it was fun. Be- being a blackout drunk must be why you were such a mean jihadist in that game. Probably, but I but I promise you, I was stone cold sober during that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also have my stalwart companion and hetero life mate Vince here with us tonight as well. That's right. I am the co-creator and co-owner of Legends of Tabletop with my brother John. Yeah, it, it's Vince's fault that this has all been thrust upon you. Uh, this Sorry. this was. <laughs> So, uh, so this podcast uh, rose like a phoenix out of the ashes of my divorce. Um, I had started a uh, right. It's just that's legitimate truth. Um, Keeping distracted. 
Yeah. Well, I had started a personal blog to kind of chronicle all that stuff and whatever. And, and I had mentioned to Vince and I, we've told this story before um, that, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about doing like another blog, but doing like, you know, pictures and shit. Cause I do crafts for the table. Cause I was running, you know, D and D and everything. He's like, no, 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 no. We, we should do like a whole website and a, and a, maybe do a podcast. And we'll do that. And I'm like, nah, I don't, that's, that's, I don't want to do all that. And then I'm like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. You wouldn't leave me alone. So I was like, fine, whatever. We'll just do it. <laughs> so we, you know, we started the website in like uh, February, maybe. I started yeah. Twitter together and YouTube and all that kind of shit. We released our first podcast in June. It was like 10 minutes long. It was terrible. The early episodes are, are not that great. <laughs> but uh, but we, we leave them for archival purposes, right? So you can see the growth of the show if you guys start at episode one and, and, and come up, you know. Um, the it, degrees of less shitty as we got older. Degrees of less shitty, as, as Kurt can attest to, because he's been there for the whole ride almost. <laughs> That's right. He's like, oh, these guys are fuckers. I deserve a medal or something. Send me a Can t-shirt, I, would you? Come on. So, so what speaking, of, speaking of t-shirts, it's on or what, man? I, I don't. No. I have my pack yeah. shirt on. <laughs> Unbelievable. The 100, the 100 ahead, is my best shirt. What was that, Adam? I don't I, I'm just sort of pissed off that John's depression led to him becoming more productive. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that really fucking pisses me off. Jesus. Well, I, I got dead bodies stacking up around me over here, left and right. <laughs> and, and all I want to do is, you know, stand at the covers, you know, covered in bourbon and spilled bourbon and cats. And we like a small child. <laughs> uh, and all you do is run out and make a goddamn pot. Fucking hell. Yeah, we need to hang out here. <laughs> You, you you need this this warm. The thing dryer. you don't know, Scott, is he's he's actually he's actually doing the he's actually Adam he's actually doing the same thing. It's just he has a podcast. That's all. <laughs> yeah. He's still I've seen it. We've, we've oh. all seen. It. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, on when he's around, did, so. did somebody say covered in creme de menthe? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's what it was. No. That, that is that is a sad that is a sad drink to be covered in. If you're, if you're, yeah. <laughs> Um, John, Leah, read the read the chat. Yes, I saw that pop up. Uh, so Leah is uh, she has some codes for the Nintendo Wii U online store uh, for Miko Mole. Uh, if you tweet to at L E A H T A U R Leah Tour, um, you can uh, get a code for uh, some some cool online Wii U stuff. Yes, I will send that to you. Send me a private tweet. And I will tweet back with an online code for you. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Uh, this, is for, this is for Miko Mole. There will be another giveaway later on in the broadcast, so stay tuned. Sweet. Thank you for bringing that to the table. I, I feel like we should be giving away stuff here. This is a, a joyous celebration, but uh, we, we, don't, we don't have anything. <laughs> They're going to get uh, watchers and later on listeners will, will gather wisdom. You 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 get this entertainment for free. That's exactly well, that's maybe not free. wisdom, but entertainment at the very least. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, yeah, maybe. So we we're we're missing uh, Neil, who's like three quarters of the podcast right now, and uh, and Jesse, 
who's going to be uh, running Jesse from the Dragon Fist. Well, okay, Neil, who's sponsor of the show, uh, Birds of a Feather Coffee, uh, and also the the oh. owner or however you want to say, uh, creator of the Two Black Eyes podcast. Uh, so he's uh, he's going to be jumping on later. He runs our Rogue Trader yeah. game and Fear Itself game. Uh, and Jesse, the GM of the Dragon Fisters podcast, uh, he's also playing in our Rogue Trader game, and he is going to be running a Cypher system game uh, coming up. Actually, tomorrow is our session zero, so you can come back and, uh, and check that out tomorrow. We have more. Awesome. Look at the chat. Okay, I'm looking at the chat. Uh, it's Oscar. Christmas in uh, March and April. Oh, shit. Oscar is offering up uh, exclusive uh, Golden Goblin press scenario Owlglass to give out to three people. So you can uh, DM Legends Legends Tabletop at Twitter, and uh, we can get you some codes for that as well. Be the first three people in. Thank you, Oscar. That's awesome. Oh, shit. And three PDFs of Heroes of Red Hook. Damn. Yeah, I'm just sending collection. I, I don't. I'm just sending that to you because I don't want to deal with people. So you give them out. <laughs> I'm just giving you the PDFs. So I guess you guys, you guys get free ones too. So <laughs> I'm tempted to just take one and read it for myself because I wanted to check out the Here Is a Red Hook. Then a buy one. We're trying to stay in business. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you, you guys. Fine. And 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 Brett is also throwing in. Uh, down, download codes for Oath of Dagon for uh, for three people. That was the uh, the uh, Kickstarter that Kurt put out. It's a uh, Kurt uh, Brett put out for for uh, his heavy metal uh, uh, interpretation of of the Cthulhu mythos. So uh, yeah, you guys can uh, t- can DM us over at the, at Legends Tabletop. And, well, uh, fuck! Now that everyone's thrown down, I guess I mean, <laughs> no, you, you, you can just stand there, stand there like an ungenerous dick. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there are there no workhouses? Are there? No- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I have to do something. So, uh, tell you what, how about um, yeah, whoever. Oh, Whoever, uh, I, I have no Twitter account. How are you getting this information from these people who want things from you? Are they uh, to, to Legends of Tabletop? They they could potentially send uh, email to legendsoftabletop at gmail.com. Uh, okay. But, you know, they could also hit up the Twitter, although I guess you are boxed out from that uh, social media platform. I am, I am tweetless. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, uh, there's enough misery in my life not to have, not to be on Twitter. Uh, tell you what then let's throw in three things as well. Um, I got some PDFs of the very first issue of the unspeakable oath back from 1990 that we're going to be selling on, um, uh, drive through RPG soon. Uh, but I can give away three copies of that to the first three people who, and dial in about it. How about that? Sweet. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you guys all doing that. That was absolutely unnecessary, <laughs> but most appreciated. Well, I was, I, I think John, uh, I was boxed into a corner. I had, <laughs> you had no choice. Hey, John, I don't know if, I don't think John has a project, so he's just going to have to start removing articles of clothing, I guess, three times. Ah, shit. All right. Oh, here goes my sock. I can do that one first, right? What 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 can I donate to make this stop? 
<laughs> well, I after Sokka was going ready for pants, so I guess that's probably a good thing then. <laughs> I have yeah. some PDFs of Delta Shut Green. This down. How about some Delta Green product? Could you <laughs> stop taking your clothes off if they gave you Delta Green product? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Turned into extortion. <laughs> Oh man! So 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 for Oscar and 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 Scott, do you guys uh, have any updates or, or uh, on projects that are ongoing or things that you guys have coming up that you want to give us a little exclusive on right now? While we've got you. Not really. Uh, yeah, it looks like Delta Green is on track for Gen Con 2017 for a release for the um, operator's manual. Um, my work's been turned in for a while. Um, been doing a little bit of editing on it, but. Uh, uh, I don't really have any uh, specifics. Uh, I've all I know is that my you know Shane Ivy, who's organizing that project, everything that I've given him, or everything he's given me to to work on, has been turned back in. So you know, my chunk is ready. I don't know about the rest. We've got a lot of people on the hook uh, for um, for that product uh, turning in work. So uh, I'm not sure where I'm not 100 sure where it's at, but everything I hear says it's going to be online for. Uh, Wow, there's like multiple Leas now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, okay. My internet glitched. It was weird. Oh. Okay. I just saw you that. look great as a twin. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eject the, the Doppelganger Leah out of the call. I was going to say, what? I might be ejected too. Uh, yeah. You're there. The one, the one with the goatee is from the Mirror Universe. That's how you can tell. Yeah. That's evil. <laughs> don't trust that one. Yeah. yeah. Or do if you know she's evil in this universe and actually good in the other one. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, so that's on track. Um, uh, you know, I don't have any other updates at this point for any other projects that I'm working on. There's some deeply embarrassing <laughs> delays on some projects, which I'm going to completely avoid talking about. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> what about you, Oscar? What uh, I know you you okay. had some. Uh, yeah, we we just got back on track with Cthulhu Invictus. We uh, had a uh, slight delay with getting payment out of uh, out of uh, Kickstarter, but we're I've been paying invoices all day, so uh, we're back on track. I am pleased to announce that we are teaming up with Backerkit for Seventh Edition Cthulhu Invictus and our uh latest kickstarter that was just successful cold warning so that's going to help us you know keep writing books instead of dealing with backer addresses and and going to the post office so often and all that so we're really excited about that i can officially say um that golden goblin press is now the owner of legacy of arius lurko and lux and tenebris because i just paid my old business partner tom um so we've now officially owned that title uh and we have our next kickstarter launching on may 1st which is going to be a fiction collection called between twilight and dawn and that's uh, a story set across many different eras eras of history um but what they all have in common is, is they take place and they completely resolve in one night that is a really awesome concept too so yeah we've got you know a slumber party in the 80s we've got um a guy on college campus in the 60s mine takes place in um 
in Arkham in the 1920s. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're all over the place. It's going to be uh, a really cool collection. Um, a big collection. We've got a lot of stories lined up on stretch goal. So yeah, we're, we're very, very busy at the Goblin Lair. Awesome. That's cool. Oh, we just had Todd and he just left. I was just going to give him the intro. Damn it. <laughs> God. Uh. All right. Well, how about you, Brett? Uh, how's, how's uh, Oath of Dagon going? Is, uh, is that selling like hotcakes? How are you, how are you making out post Kickstarter? Uh, you know, the, the music, man, it's like trying to sell music is like pissing in the ocean these days, man. You know, Yeah. but we're actually, we're, we're doing pretty good with, um, doing, we did, what the hell did I do? We did, uh, the chiller con. Oh, cool. Like, um, online stuff, honestly, but, um, doing some of the convention stuff, pretty cool because it's real people, you know, so I can talk to them and they're, they're metal fans. Metal right. fans from a mile away, so I just stand there at the table and I'm like, "Hey, all right, come over here, come over here," and then they'll come over and own setup. We got a good setup, so people people get it at the live events, man. But um, I, I just did Chiller Con, I guess was the latest one in New Jersey in Parsippany. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really cool event. It's just it's all horror. It's all like um, 80s celebrities and all that kind of cool stuff. So Chiller Con is really cool. Um, but, um, you know, we're, we're planning out a sequel to do another Kickstarter for that coming up. Um, you know, another Lovecraft-inspired record. But stuff, I've got a live project um, that a really great horror author uh, named Jay Thorne. He's written a number of uh, novels and novellas and short stories. And he actually wrote a book with uh, Dio's son, Ronnie James Dio's son. Um <laughs> So we're partnering up with him and also Marcelo, who was the artist for Oath of Dagon, and also uh, indie game developers. We're putting out kind of this multimedia um, music project, which I won't get into too much detail, but that's kind of the next big cool thing that we're doing musically. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. All right, Todd. Todd just joined us again. Todd, can you hear me? Oh, no. Google hates Todd for some reason. This yeah, is some- why I this is why I have a fifteen minute lead in to before <laughs> the interviews start, so we can work all this stuff out. Um, no, Todd, Todd's an old pro, but I, last time we we had slow internet, we had a little bit of a little issue before we started playing day trippers. Oh, yeah, but yeah. So, but if you check your gear, if you if you plugged and unplugged a a headset, sometimes it won't recognize that, so you may have to actually go into settings and select it. We'll edit all this out in post. <laughs> I say we, I mean me. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> but yeah, Brett, I can't help but notice your your lovely selection of git fiddles in the background there. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm at. I'm this at, is yeah. a discussion that will probably be better had after we go off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm broadcasting from my teaching studio, so yeah, I, I have everything uh, lined up. Excellent. Cool. Uh, you were talking about conventions. We've got uh, Gen Con and Necronomicon coming up. And unfortunately, we're not going to get a chance to see you this year, Scott, at, at, at uh, Necronomicon. That's, that sucks, uh, especially considering that we've, uh, you know, we've had you on, we're hanging out and, you know, we're, you know, closer than we were last time. So really looking forward to, uh, to getting to see you again. 
Well, <clears throat> it's it's just a matter of uh, Delta Green getting released. You know, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm gonna have to be doing a lot of uh, tap dancing and uh, selling and dancing around and and doing the whole you know sales and presentation. Uh, so I I gotta do that. That's the one I have to be at. Um, yeah. Admittedly. <laughs> Admittedly, Necronomicon is more fun uh, because, uh, number one, smaller venue, so obviously I look taller, um, and uh, uh, it just doesn't have the same sales pressure, you know, mm -hmm. where we, we have to turn a buck, um, you know, uh, it's not quite that desperate. It's desperate. That's what Gen Con is. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's kind of a sweaty balls desperation uh, as you're trying to make your sales numbers to justify those horrifically expensive booths. So none yeah. of that existed at Necronomicon. I can stay pickled the entire time and, you know, run games and, you know, it just doesn't matter. Uh, mm. I prefer that. Thank you very much. Scott should do more conventions in England because Lafrague's a lot cheaper over here than it is in the States. So that was one of the pluses when I moved here that I noticed. <laughs> that, that in the, you know, I was going to say that in the socialized medicine. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, too much Lafrague and then you get the free health care. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, and, well, I don't know. At this point, uh, it's looking like Scotland's going to be an independent country. You're going to have to move. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to go to an Edinburgh. More tax, yeah. It'd be high yeah. price, though. I'll have to move to Scotland, so that's yeah. the only thing. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll, there'll be a VAT just getting your uh, Lafroig down south of Adrian's Wall. <laughs> <You know. laughs> look how well that wall worked out. Ours is going to be twice as good. Yeah. <laughs> well, Oscar, we, we are going to get a chance to see you at Necronomicon, which is oh, awesome. You, I know we talked about that. Certainly are. Uh, Getting a, a live play in while we're there, so that'd be uh, that'd be awesome. That should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. Do we know is uh, Byron going to be there? I know Jeff is. Don't know. You know? Okay. Did I say maybe we can we can get one of our regular sessions in if Byron's going to be there. What if you can have the watch. same characters? Yeah, you all, yeah. You all survive barely. barely. <laughs> 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 I'm so happy that that that's going to be out. So um, that was a great play test. I, I, at least I, now I know, well, this scenario is solid. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Just like a, a rough beta version. So it'll be even better next time I run it. Well, yeah. well, hopefully players that play later actually can make a check for sanity. Because that, that's helpful when you can do that. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of 97s or, or some shit. It was really bad. <laughs> Uh, I, I, we can't even talk. It's such a short scenario. We can literally say nothing about it without giving away some scenarios. Oh, I, I do have one question. Does does that many nine to sevens guarantee uh, a TPK, or is is that just you know you can? No, that's that can, one person going stark raving mad. In, okay, just in, one. In just uh, one. That was a personal ninety-seven. Oh, <laughs> I see. Okay. That's even better. I mean, yeah, it, it was really bad. So the two games that I, that I played in with you, Scott, for the podcast, mm. things went pretty smooth, like no trouble. You know, we had one, one game with Oscar, insane. Lost like 30 <laughs> points. <laughs> there was a, and, it's, and it's a two-hour demo game. It's, it's, it's not even a full four-hour session. Oh, boy. I, 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 the line that always sticks with me was, 
playing Call of Cthulhu around the table at, at Pagan Publishing, and I think Blair Reynolds, you know, something has gone terribly wrong. You know, everyone's taking massive sand hits, and I think his line was, "Wow, I haven't had, I haven't taken sand hits like this since college." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Yeah, yeah, okay, that I know exactly what he's talking about because you know, first time you're playing Call of Cthulhu in the '80s, you think, you know, it's like D&D, you kick in the door." You hit the monster with a with a thing, and then you take its stuff, and everybody advances. No, not so much. Uh, <laughs> it's a different kind of game. <laughs> did you guys, did you guys, when you first played that the, the Call of Cthulhu stuff, were you into Lovecraft before that, or did that like introduce you to the Lovecraft? You first, Oscar. Oh, I was a D and D Star Frontiers guy. Um, it was getting old because we'd been playing it for years, and I guess I was uh, maturing a little bit. Um, and I picked up Ari Howard's the kin- uh, Mythos and Kindred Horror Collection. With that great um, cover? With that great cover that they then made a statue out of, which I then spent 15 years hunting and finally got one. Um, so yeah, the, the rare Bowen Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. Another, whole nother story. Um, anyway got hooked into so i came to lovecraft through you know re howard so my stuff is always more pulpy you know i don't hate women and minorities as much as if i came to love through the mythos <laughs> through lovecraft the proper way um don't get me wrong howard was a racist and a, a misogynist but not as much it's a degree it's matters it's a of degree degree. <laughs> degree but i started from a higher point anyway <laughs> Um, and I literally pulled a card off of the uh, the chalk uh, of the cork board at a game store for someone looking to start a Call of Cthulhu game. Um, and I played with a total stranger. I played three scenarios. I did not successfully complete any of them, but I survived each one um, by running and steadily losing sand. Um, and it really educated me on what this game is. And this game was not D&D. This was a whole other animal. Um, back then, Call of Cthulhu was a total meat grinder. It was like the big game hunting of, of role-playing. So if you could play Call of Cthulhu, you really had your shit together. Um, and I loved it. I completely fell in love with it and slowly uh, introduced it to my home team and played every good scenario we can get um, off of eBay, you know, getting the old out of print books off of eBay um, until that's that's pretty much all we did. And it's pretty much been all I've been doing for about 20 years now. That's awesome. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, I had a brush with the mythos as a kid where I had a uh, friend uh, in the neighborhood who showed me an old Arkham House, I guess, edition of uh, like the Dunwich Har, and uh, pointed out the just the passage where Wilbur Watley melts down on the floor of the Miskatonic Library, right? After he's been mauled by the guard dogs. And I remember reading that and being sort of at age eight or nine or whatever, and being absolutely appalled by the description of this non. Um, not just not inhuman, but also sort of uh, non-symmetrical, you know, not bilaterally symmetrical 
you know, entity as it, it, it croaks uh, on the floor of the library. And that sort of stuck with me. And I was always sort of, I, I sort of knew that Lovecraft and Cthulhu was a thing for a very long time. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't know how much uh, contact I had with Lovecraft stories. There was a little bit, but it wasn't until after I uh, fell into the role-playing game that I really started to look up the stories. Uh, and then I just got, you know, sort of uh, religious about hunting them down. And again, it was back in the 80s. Um, it was really hard to find this stuff. We did not go to all the public domain stuff on the Internet, obviously. Um, and some stuff had very dodgy um, publication histories. So you really had to look um, to find all of the uh, Lovecraft stories that were maybe mentioned in the old uh, uh, Chaosium rule books. Um, I want to say the first one I had was that uh, third edition rules that was uh, that they co-published with Games Workshop, the big hardback that had all the beautiful color plates in it, you know. Um, but uh, the first time that uh, Cthulhu showed up in gaming was I had a uh, I had a, a fellow gamer, you know, in my high school gaming group, who decided to inflict Call of Cthulhu on us while we were playing Traveler. So we thought we were in a science fiction game, and then we found out we were in a gothic, you know, horror, cosmic horror game. And um, I was like, well, this is all fantastic. You know, where'd you get all this? It's like, well, I just cribbed it from the Call of Cthulhu book, and then, you know, that's how I, I found my way to Call of Cthulhu. And then, lo and behold, uh, percentage dice were so much more uh, fun to use than a bunch of six-siders. So I abandoned Traveler and moved on to the mechanics of uh, basic role-playing. And stuck to that ever since. So, so basically, you ended up in a, in Event Horizon. Um, if we were lucky, um, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of things wrong with that scenario, and it was traveler mechanics. So we didn't have anything like uh, what do you call it, um, sand loss rules. But we didn't need them because it was horrible, um, and our game master was appropriately unpleasant uh, to us during the game. And uh, yeah, it worked. It, it it absolutely worked on all. It fired on all eight cylinders. Um, certainly, when I picked up the the BRP rules, the first thing that impressed me back in the '80s was, holy crap! I could totally use these rules to play an Indiana Jones game or some sort of you know pulp adventure. Except the rules were so unforgiving. There's not a lot of you know being chased by a boulder, leaping from airplanes onto moving trains kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, Call of Cthulhu was much more unforgiving than that, and wasn't really, uh, wasn't really, very well adapted to pulp, I guess. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean we didn't try. Cool. Oh, all right, I'm I'm gonna switch gears real quick here. First of all, Todd, are you? Can you say anything that we can hear you? Still no. God damn it. <laughs> Well, we have we have Todd in the wings. Todd is Todd Todd Foley from As If Productions is kind of here. Uh, he's he's uh, started uh, another campaign for us, or uh, hi Todd, or or season maybe if you want to say like a television uh, season for uh, for day trippers. <laughs> uh, so uh, that was that was tons of fun. But uh, but uh, to to Kurt and to Bro so let me say this. I, I think we brought this up on the show before, but Brett had never played a role playing game before jumping in on our fear game. And uh, yeah. so, so what's this experience been like for you to kind of get in and sort of like navigate all that sort of stuff? 
Well, I think I think it was honestly harder starting it online than it would have been in person because I don't know. I had no idea, you know. We we I I had my my uh, electronic versions of the the the, the sheet and, and all this kind of stuff, right? So it, it was harder to figure out what to do. Um, I was using an app for a while, right, for the dice. Um, so that, that that was also harder. Yeah. And the last couple games, I have been getting into it more. I find I, the the last couple have been very enjoyable. Not that the other ones weren't. It is hard to get your feet wet in that, you know. I, I was worried about not being interesting enough as a character. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed a lot though. Yeah, I, 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 to me, it seems like you, you know, been sort of fish to water, right? Like, you know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, you know, can I do this or can I do that? At least in the beginning. But, I, but I think you know, even since the first couple of episodes, like I, I think like you're in, like you're completely on it and like you're the voice of reason in that campaign like when we went to to randy's house and i'm like oh shit we got to clean up his mom's gonna come home and you're like you know it's a crime scene right fuck yeah right okay right right good good call good call (laughs) i i like i like coming up with the plans you know like it is kind of fun um and again it is getting a little bit more natural now the first couple times I kind of felt like you'd feel like if you were having an out of body experience and kind of like looking at yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because I was, I was aware of, of aware of role playing the character. Oh, it is a little bit easier just to get into it and not uh, think about it and just have fun with it. Do you think that it was more difficult to play, uh, to get into it through the, through the, uh, the, the, you know, hangout? Uh, because and because you didn't have a, a piece of paper that was your character sheet, that you didn't have physical dice, that you didn't have the proximity to other people to blow your bad breath on them or spill Mountain Dew yeah. on their character sheet. That 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 end of the experience <laughs> was always important in high school, in college, you know. But you know, as uh, we've you know, this doing it online is 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 the next best thing, but it's not the preferred thing. I get for me. Right, it would wouldn't be like first choice. Yeah. Um, the idea that, of your first, that your first experience is this very disembodied experience is very odd to me. You know? Well, and the fact that we would do it once a month too that doesn't really help, especially when someone's trying to learn, like Brett. You know, it, you know, I was I I'm in this game too, so it's and this is actually this uh, second time I've actually played a Call of, Call of Cthulhu game. And so for me, it was kind of my, it was kind of baby steps for me, but I had at least one thing, you know, that I, that I actually, you know, I had an experience or whatever, but with Brett, I think, um, first, but you could tell like right away, he had his personality of his character where it was like, we were playing in a game. And I think, uh, because me and John had kind of played in other games, you know, other role playing games, we kind of knew how to you know, play a character and stuff like that. I think Brett, some real world experience, you know, just like the whole thing that you were talking about, like, okay, guys, what the, what the hell are we doing here? We shouldn't be doing that. That's stupid. You know, we're like, oh yeah, but we want to do this, you know? And it's like, even though you're role playing, you're also, you're also playing a game where you're a human character that could get dismembered, die, go insane. But we're just like, yeah, we'll just do this. And he's like, what? No, there's no, you're not doing that. You know? So yeah, that but, but also, 
Also, keep it, you know, th that being said, I'm also the guy that keeps wanting to blow shit up with a cannon that we put on my truck. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> That's not very realistic. Once you, yeah, have, once you have the cannon, not blowing things up with it is a goddamn waste. I mean, yeah. You, absolutely. No. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be glorious no, once it happens. I never did in the beginning, too. Like, when, when I was creating the character, I spent a long time coming up with this whole backstory and, like, all this detail. And then the, and then the first... Uh, you know, episode ever, you know, I'm going, I'm talking for like five minutes about all this detail. And then the other, my name is Jack and, uh, you know, three seconds. I'm like, fuck, I didn't have to come up with all that fucking detail. You know? <laughs> but it makes it easier to play too, right? I mean, if you kind of know where you're, if you have some, you know, strong concept of who your character is and sort of where they are in the world, then it, it, it makes it easier than to sort of inhabit that personality. What what mechanics were you guys using for fear itself? Uh, just the, the regular fear itself. We're, so Neil kind of dialed back sort of the, the deadly aspect because it's more of a, you know, like a slasher flick kind of one shot style of game in its original conception. Uh, the, the second edition, which is out now, uh, you know, that has campaign, uh, conceit to it so you can so you can run that now but he just sort of dialed it back it's more of an investigative thing i mean we hit our one year anniversary in march and we've killed one monster so far <laughs> so I couldn't, wow. I couldn't believe when you said it was a year but, it, right. but it's it's very so it's our it's super rp heavy it's like all right, we, we got to go get something to eat. We go to the diner and it's like RP. So I order a Reuben and can you bring the coffee? And, oh, you know, you you know, your hair looks nice today. Like, it's just like, we just RP the shit out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple of guys that would drive crazy. <laughs> I think Oscar might be one of them. <laughs> no, no, I'm, it, it depends. If it's a four hour game at a con, we need to get going. If yeah, you're going yeah. to my house twice a week, fine. We had a Cthulhu Invictus campaign that every other session was market day. Oh! And all, and all we did, because we were in a village, all we did was take our produce into the center of town, and we got to socialize with everyone else in the village. So this is where all the young men would beat the young women from different farms. And it would be nothing but a whole four-hour session of role-playing market day. And we would did absolutely no game, you know, no investigation at all. Did they even did you let least did you let did you at least let ah Kelly have had some bourbon? Did you at least let market day become like a clue vector? Like if you meet everybody from all the outlying farms, they all talk. Somebody at least yes. says Yes. Well, there's some strange lights up in the woods. I lost a few. I lost a few cattle on the North Ridge. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. And, and for the next two sessions, we're hunting a werewolf. Yeah. Um, because without the internet, I guess it's going to be market day. Right. Right. But a lot of us were. I mean, all of our professions, we were craftspeople. I was a bower. Um, one of my friend's characters, he was. Uh, he made. He was a cheesemaker. I mean, we were like the most boring investigators of all time <laughs> we were many more actors it's like we're not going to be crusaders and scholars none of us are going to know how to read i mean literally we were illiterate farmers and craftspeople. um but it was it was the most okay, realistic our, our game is a little more exciting than that <laughs> no this was exciting 
Uh, our village of, was of like just a little bit. It was like the Sunnydale of the Dark Ages. <laughs> this, you're this, you're it, a riveting storyteller. It's, it was I'm <laughs> sure it was fine. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> no, don't I I I please I I absolutely appreciate that approach because um uh there's all kinds of things like that that I would have loved to do with Call of Cthulhu, you know, especially because um, you're not gonna get. I, I, the idea that this, these adventures keep happening to the same scholars, you know, and in Call of Cthulhu, I mean, like, scholar slash commando, you know, after a couple of games. Um, the idea that it's happening to those same guys in an urban setting all the time kind of bugs me. It should be happening to people out in the hinterlands, out in the, the boonies, you know, guys who are, uh, for, you know, in, in the Roman world, guys farming the land that hasn't been taken over by big slave farms, raising cash crops like grapes and olives you know you're out at the edge of the frontier that's where the fugly stuff's going to happen well this was this was dark ages north england oh even worse yeah so this was yeah it, uh, north north england that's almost south scotland that's really the end of the earth that's <laughs> holy shit oh, that's probably you can hear me typing um so so what's this, so what's this been like for you, uh, Kurt? Because you've got your own show, you you know you've got all your own things going on. You're you're coming in and you're hanging out with us. You're getting a chance to play. Do you do you RPG very often? Well, with the with with the podcast, uh, we started out more board gaming, you know, and now that we're interviewing more people in the RPG society and stuff like that, I've been trying to run more games like we like. A few friends, a few friends that I know, they you know have written smaller things and stuff like that, and so I've had them come on and try their stuff. You know, I've even had a friend of the show, Taylor Labresh, come on, and we actually just wrote one up on the spot and played it on the show. And uh, um, I think playing playing the fear itself with you guys, and you know, J John, you've been really nice to just include include me anytime there's an open spot. You know, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to get into anything else yet because you always find like the worst time to get a, get a hold of me. But uh, it's just one of those things where I'm fairly new to it myself too. Like I did a little bit of D and D in high school, but that was about it for me. Um, and then you know, f you know, back then you had to find people to play and stuff like that, and I didn't have a lot of friends, so I only played with the three friends that I had. And now with you know being friends with you guys and other people and having the internet as a media, even though, you know, a lot of people prefer the, the closeness of being at a convention or a local game store and stuff like that. It's nice to have this of, you know, my own podcast where I can just reach out to people and go, Hey, I would love for you to come on and play something. Would you love to do that? And a lot of people are really great about that because they're, they're either peddling something that they have or they they want to play something that they don't really get to play. And I'm like, I love, I love it. You know, I love it. I love, I'm one of those people that, you know, I just love playing just about anything that I can get my hands on. So it's nice when that kind of happens. So, and you know, again, being friends with you guys, it's, it's opened up a lot of avenues and I appreciate you guys taking me under your wing. <laughs> Well, it, it was weird, so right? So like, we came out of Necronomicon, and like, you know, in the beginning, we were gonna do everything, right? We were gonna <laughs> we're gonna write books, and we're gonna do this thing, and we're gonna start a network, and like all these crazy things. And uh, 
you know, we, we got to talking with Jesse cause I was, I was on the dragon fisters at that time. And he was like, well, you know, I could talk to Eric over at gamers table. And, and I, I don't even remember what it was, Kurt, I guess we started following each other on Twitter. Like, I don't even remember how it came about, but I remember sitting in the bedroom at the laptop on my lap and it's you, me, Eric and Vince and, and Jesse. And we're like, Hey, we should do this thing. It'd be cool. Right. And we'll all get together. And it was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's great having you as a friend. It's, it's great having you on the show. Uh, you know, uh, it's, um, it's great to have you as part of the, as part of the network. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. So, I mean, thank you for, you know, coming in and, and participating and, and, and to all you guys really, like, I, I love the shit out of all of you guys for coming in here, right? Cause like nobody has to be here, right? I mean, you guys are here. You want to hang out. I mean, you guys are running games. You're playing in games. Everybody has families and stuff. And, and, and I really appreciate that, that you guys want to, be a part of that and you know come in and and you know spend some time with us oh it's fun man Indeed. i appreciate it you know i have a good time with it and and you know listen it's once a month if i if i can't make time for that i mean i'm an asshole <laughs> so yeah. oh well like, said it doesn't mean you're not but yeah <laughs> at, at this age once a month is uh pretty good for being able to get People yeah. of a similar vintage together in one place for four to yeah. six hours. Yeah. yeah. Once a month's pretty good. Well, and, and right now with, with Todd running uh, day trippers and Jesse starting the cipher system game, we're currently running five actual play campaigns, full blown campaigns on the podcast. All right. And that's why you're fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, the weekly show and all the editing and you know, all the other stuff. Well, when I get a few things off of my plate, I'll try and pitch you guys on uh, maybe running some more one shots from that World War One material. Hell yeah, I'm I'm Thank down. You. Let's start another campaign. We'll call it number six. Not not, not a campaign. Not a campaign. <laughs> Just one shots. You you get on a U boat, you all die. You know, you get on a zeppelin. Okay, you didn't die on the zeppelin, but you know we didn't. No. I don't know what the problem is with that scenario. Nobody's managed to light the Zeppelin on fire yet. I, I, I think. Are for, there? Are there? Any, are, you, um, are you playing with Cthulhu gamers? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, yes, I am, and they're all being. As soon as I say hydrogen, everybody gets super cautious. I had a group try and set an iron mine on fire last <laughs> week. <laughs> well, that's a challenge. I mean, how 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 incendiary is a iron mine? All right. Not very. You know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, credit for trying, I guess. Mm. I mean, it's a Zeppelin. You'd think they wouldn't have any trouble setting it on fire. But since they were all on board it and it was 8,000 feet in the air, they were a little hesitant to set it on fire, you know. So it was one of the, like, you know. But, uh, uh, no, no one's blown up the Zeppelin yet. I'm really surprised. I've had a lot of people. People have fallen off the Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of times people have died that way. Um jumping rather than letting the monster get them but nobody's nobody's set the sucker on fire yet strangely enough oh well yeah i think are, we went there super any, super cautious hope springs eternal yeah <laughs> any um are there any like hardcore like alien abduction role-playing yeah. games out there like 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 uh like 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 real and uh you know stuff well um like, like ufo Sort of. I mean, there's, uh, if you're talking about, I mean, 
the Delta Green material went and took the old alien abduction stuff from the 1990s and knit it into Call of Cthulhu so that the the, the certain alien races in the uh, Cthulhu mythos suddenly explain certain aspects of the UFO abduction phenomenon and aspects of the saucer, you know, uh, seeing saucers in the sky phenomenon. So, you know, that's the, cool. There, so there was that. I mean, the, the big scenario for that was Convergence was the very first one that it was very much a lights in the sky, people taken for experiments, returned, altered sort of scenario. Um, and that's always been in the background on Delta Green. The other, gosh, what's the, uh, suddenly forgetting the name of the other game that was a, uh, a very much an alien invasion, you know, supernatural uh, uh Gosh, what the heck was that called? Um, it was uh, came out just before. It, it came out in the same time that uh, X Files was running. It was very concurrent with Delta Green. Is anybody remembering the name of the game? I'm I'm thinking of. No. No. All right. <laughs> I should. I'm looking at my bookshelf. Like, where the hell is it? But I'm not seeing it on my bookshelf at the moment. But there was another. Yeah. So there was a. There was another role-playing game that was all about not alien abductions, but it was the thing that had the greys, the reptoids, you know, Nordics, uh, men in black, uh, cool. you know, uh, supernatural conspiracies, uh, Russian mind control experiments, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was, uh, nice. but it was all very, it was all very, um, how do I put it? Uh, it All the mythology was as presented. The greys were the greys, you know, the reptoids were, you know, some Saurian civilization that left Earth before that comet took out the dinosaurs, and they were coming back to Earth now that it, you know conditions had calmed down enough for them to live there. And oops, monkeys have taken over the planet. Uh, so it was all very pretty standard stuff. Um, the thing about Delta Green when we did that with uh, you know modern conspiracy theory and we did modern you know cryptozoology, we always made you know the whole idea was to make sure that whatever critter we were presenting or whatever myth we were presenting uh, knit back into the mythos. I mean, um, we did a big thing about the Philadelphia experiment where the Philadelphia experiment turned out just to be a malfunctioning tilling gas resonator from the short story from beyond <laughs> that had been attached to a, uh, uh, had been attached to the Eldridge in an attempt to, you know, make it invisible to radar. And instead it slipped into another dimension, you know? So, that's so that was sort of the that was sort of the the basis of all delta green material is yes you bring in all the the conspiracy theories and the modern myths and whatever but you've got to knit them back into the mythos in some way um you know check out delta, check out delta green and you know like i said i'm out of all you guys here i'm like a complete fucking noob so that's noob that's why i don't know any of this stuff noob way but, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to coordinate invites here as people are jumping out. Google's being a real pain in the ass. Hey, Tony. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? Happy 100th. Thank you, sir. Tony is the uh, the proprietor, as it were, of uh, the Dice Heroes podcast. They're located down there in uh, in Queensland, Australia. So uh, Tony's a part of the network, and uh, Tony was was with us way back when when Nerdband was still a thing. He ran shit. What were you running? Like four, five games on the on the uh, forums at one time. <laughs> yeah, way too many. We had some Dungeons and Dragons, some Rogue Trader, some. 
I can't remember. It's all a blur. Yeah, uh, it's, it's quite a while ago now. <laughs> That's awesome. So what are you up to? What's going on? A um, couple of days off for a school holiday, so happy about that. Um, nice. On the weekend, uh, my small town did a little its first uh, convention, so tried my hand at cosplaying, um, which is what the facial hair is about. I did a little bit of a Doctor Strange uh, outfit. Um, game night tonight, so it's a, it's a good day. Cool. Yeah, well, we're glad that you could you could pop in for a little while with the time difference and everything. I wasn't sure you're going to be able to make it. It's rare, but I'm here. <laughs> oh, you've been on once or twice before. Yeah. So now we got people dialing in from both hemispheres, right? Yeah. All over the world. Awesome. Which which is weird. You say all over the world, right? So I was looking at some of the stats and stuff beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we get most of our plays here in the states, which makes sense. Uh, the UK is is the next most popular mm-hmm. area. Uh, we've got quite a few in Australia, so I don't I don't know how many podcasts you're downloading, Tandy, but there's like a ton coming out of Australia, uh, Canada. Okay, again, mm-hmm. kind of makes sense, right? But then the next up is the Netherlands, which I find really kind of weird. Like I it wouldn't have been what I would have thought. Um, nice. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Netherlands, Norway, Brazil, Finland, Germany, Sweden, the Philippines, France, Japan, Estonia. There's a couple down in South Africa, which I was like, okay. <laughs> if, if you're listening in one of these far-flung far flung places from where we're located, send us an email, sh- you know, shoot us something on Twitter or something and say, hey, I'm that guy downloading in Spain or, <laughs> or Argentina. <laughs> that would be that's, awesome. That's the whole time i just use these proxy servers and shit to make you feel good <laughs> core browser yeah, exactly you're not real people <laughs> no hold on we're not letting you go so easy you son of a bitch kurt's gonna bow out but i want to thank you for, yeah, for not, coming on that's not silent there, fuckface. <laughs> well no, of course I, with you guys nothing is silent everything ever. is loud and obnoxious so yeah well when you get eight people who just love to hear themselves talk i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> yes, no kidding. That's what I was like. I feel bad. I barely got anything in. Oh. Right, well, I I appreciate you coming. Um, I, I I appreciate your friendship. I'm I'm glad, so glad that that you that this all kind of came together and and you know that you're you're part of the the, the podcast family here and uh, yeah, it, it's awesome. So yeah, you know, thank, yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing being but fun, and I, I yeah, I appreciate every moment of it. So cool. All right. Yeah, Randy Andrews. Uh, That's right. Three weeks, baby. <laughs> oh, before you go, Brett, <laughs> I have you on camera. Are we playing on the 30th or no? Let me get back to you. I don't see a problem with it, but I just got to double check. But probably, I'd say probably like 80% chance. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's the yes, then. Sweet. I'm going to put it on the calendar. So now it's already done. You're on camera. It says no problem. So <laughs> I'm already excited about it. Cause I already know this is how much I love this game. I've, I've already planned out what I'm going to do next session. <laughs> nice. We haven't even got to it yet. You, you know, that's not going to so have contact with the other player characters, right? Oh, believe me. I know, <laughs> but you can't help a guy to try it. Well, Aaron's got All a right, little nugget too that he wants to share too. So. We'll, we'll, we'll reconvene on the 30th. <laughs> Sounds 
sounds good. All right. Thanks, Kurt. We'll see you. Yeah, no problem. See you guys. All right. Later. So hopefully this will allow Leah back into the call because for whatever reason, Google will not let her in. So uh, Leah, if you're listening, Kurt's gone. So go ahead and try to jump back in again. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to throw this at Brett. Uh, those two games I was trying to remember, one was Conspiracy X. Oh, look at that. Conspiracy X was uh, put out by these guys from New Millennium Entertainment. Um, and uh, they did a second edition later. This is the old first edition book. But they, their stuff was all, you know, pretty much, you know, you can play any kind of supernatural problem, vampires, werewolves, aliens, uh, you know, whatever. And they had source books to cover all of that. And, they, um, and Delta Green, which was mine, which is the – which is – about the same period in the '90s when it came out, was the, you know, was the mythos was the Cthulhu mythos version of that, where we just, you know, we tried to have the same kind of feel, uh, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, uh, keep it anchored in the world of the mythos. So, I uh, I can't help well, you out. I can't help you out with Conspiracy X, but um, uh, <laughs> contact John and I'll see what I can do about sending you a, a PDF of Delta Green, uh, I am sure that once you have a taste of the first one, you will be hooked, and then we'll go back to drive through RPG and buy all the other PDFs. Oh, man. Thank you. First, hit, first hit's free. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get you. <laughs> cool. Leah's still having trouble, but... Oop, Oscar dropped and came back. So, Kevin, let, let's get you in on this, because you're, you're just kind of sitting there hanging out. So, uh, you, you did the whole Nerdbound thing. So, so Tondi, Kevin was uh was a fan of Nerdbound way back in the day so he's he's probably familiar and and he found our podcast through you which is pretty cool <laughs> oh really um, well the funny thing was so listening to Nerdbound I think I got in right at the end so I kind of downloaded a bunch of the episodes right when Neil was shutting everything down so he listened to him curse Tondi all the time in all the episodes it's quite funny <laughs> <laughs> then finding dice heroes afterwards so you know it was always listening to dice heroes and all of a sudden you started throwing in the bumpers for legends of tabletop and being on the network and then hearing john's voice at the beginning kind of clicked from when john was doing a lot of the actual plays nerd bound so then i came over and started downloading all the episodes and neil was running some games and things like that so it was just really funny and then yeah see it's 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 like extremely slow burn synergy (laughs) (laughs) and actually seeing when you did the interview with john that all the times that neil used to curse your name name because it wasn't an episode that would go by that he wasn't saying something about tondi that was just yeah it was very funny finally putting those two together now now it's mostly the uh roller that he my uh, (laughs) online roller that he curses yeah yeah i was gonna say we still curse you yeah exactly (laughs) But I told I told John I think so I like I said I jumped into the Nerdbound kind of right after probably the last few episodes so I think I spent a day at work downloading all the back episodes of Nerdbound because my Wi-Fi or my home internet was so slow that I ended up getting pulled up at work because I downloaded about sixty gig of actual plays <laughs> in two days through the corporate network so and I, 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 I I I think I ended up saying it was some kind of patch I had to download for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, research that, material. 
shit that's up. Awesome. And they bought that. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, I, it's it. So working in IT, I always go by the guideline of if you make nice with all the techs in the help desk, then they'll be nice back to you. So there was kind of a bit of that also. So there's a little give and take in that saying, just let that one go and we'll, so it you, won't happen again. So. so you had to hand out a lot of back rubs and foot rubs? And <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's need to know basis. Okay. <laughs> That's good. So uh, Oscar, what's the name of your, uh, uh, you know, feline overlord? Yeah, you're on mute. You're mute. Yeah. <laughs> Your feline overlord. Oh, it's turned on him. <laughs> it's mauling. Oscar's gonna get mauled by a. This is uh, Pickles, the youngest of my three boys. Okay. He doesn't seem happy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, if he wanted to hurt me, he could. He's just playing around. Ah! <laughs> Mine is suspiciously absent right now. I'm kind of surprised. You, you threatened to throw him into a garbage can earlier. <laughs> I wouldn't hang out with you either. Hey, that that's all dependent on his behavior. <laughs> uh, my daughter's not here to save him right now, so. <laughs> so I was thinking for Brett, would paranoia be another good one for the kind of conspiracy RPG stuff? Well, Paranoia was that was kind of dystopian, yeah. you know, Logan's run yeah. on acid sort of, you know, situation. I don't know if par I don't yeah. know if paranoia counts as conspiracy. It's conspiracy, more, yeah. it's more dystopia, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean there's conspiracies in the horribly dysfunctional future society. You know, just that picture of this smiling guy on that front of that page is just you <laughs> can tell what you're in for just looking at that when you see that. Um yeah, I w I'm not sure I'd recommend uh, that as a as a as a conspiracy. conspiracy. No. Yeah. Well, well, esoterists probably right. They have yeah, the yeah. pyramid yeah, and all that. That's, yeah, good That's call. Esoterists is a good one. Um, maybe uh, what's the other one by uh, what's the one John Tynes did the um, uh, uh, Godlike? No, not Godlike. That was the World War II supers. Um, shoot, I feel terrible. I'm forgetting the name of the. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. Oh, crap. It was the one where it was, uh, it's basically the world is run by magical power. Uh, there are magical occult conspiracies all around, but it, um, uh, they're, they're constantly advertising it on Ken and Robin talk about stuff because they're coming up with a new edition. Uh, unknown Armies? Was that unknown that? Armies, exactly. There you go. Yep. Where the tagline is where horribly broken people attempt to fix the world. And, um, you know, all, everybody's magic is, is this fucked up obsession with things. If you, if you are obsessed enough with um, stamp collecting, you can create ceremonial magic out of stamp collecting or whatever. Um, what my, and at the time, John was drinking a lot. So one of the, one of the mancies was dipsomancy, which was that you could do magic if you were drunk or inebriated enough. Um, so yeah, there was Dipsomancy. Uh, I I want to I want to say that they when they were out on a limb they came up with Onanmancy, but that that may not. I may be remembering Onan Onanmancy wrong. Anyways, um, but yeah, Unknown Armies is another one that was very much modern, uh, creepy conspiracy. Uh, it was magic, but it not so much. Um, 
not so much alien abduction, uh, cryptozoology, things like that. But yeah, that's another one. Cool. Well, you could, I mean, you could scan almost anything to do that, right? I mean, you could even almost do that with D&D &D if you just change the monsters to aliens. I mean, it's... Yeah, there's GURPS Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> there's GURPS everything. There was GURPS everything. <laughs> But Nigel, I'm looking, yeah, I'm 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 into the ultra realism. You know what I mean? Like I I, I don't want to morph D and D. I want to actually have like people, re you know, people referencing like the uh, actual, you know, cases and 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 all this shit from the fifties and sixties, man. That's you know. Okay, you're gonna be fine with Delta Green. You're gonna be pre. You're gonna be preapic, uh, frankly, with Delta. And that's the fun thing about Delta Green, though, because everybody thinks Call of Cthulhu set the, to the twenties. Yeah. You know that that kind of feel in the Delta Green, that that's what makes it neat that you can bring that into the, you know the the current. Heck, uh, heck, we got Ken Height trying to create a uh, Delta Green set in the 1960s, back when it was an official agency, so you can experience how they screwed it up and all got defunded back in the 60s. So it's the he's he's immersing himself in. Uh, 1960s conspiracy and uh, and weirdness lore, and gee, it's not there's there's a ton of it. Although the weird thing is, a lot of the stuff we think of as the 60s is really the 70s, as far as guys blowing things up in America, like bombing campaigns and you know domestic terrorism and uh, Charles Manson stuff like that. A lot of that's in the 70s. We think of it as the 60s, but it's not. Um, it uh anyways but so yeah it can be set you know let's think about call of cthulhu invictus uh dark ages um you know what's your setting planet earth anytime you know the great old ones aren't going anywhere they're you know it says so right in the tagline yeah. uh, uh where are will be so you know you can always have call of cthulhu anywhere on the planet uh and anywhere and in spaces in between yeah, exactly. Well, Brett could really get on the rabbit hole and go do World of Darkness, but I don't know if he wants to do that. All right, be before we continue that, though, Oscar wants to get out of here. He's uh, he's had a rough month and a half with two <laughs> two successfully funded Kickstarters and a bunch of uh, you know fiscal uh, Kickstarter headaches. So we thank you, sir, for coming on, and uh, well, and, and thank you. It. Thanks for yeah. the invite, guys. Congratulations Absolutely. again. Thank you. Uh, Thank I'll, you. Be I'll be back Thank for the 200th episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that'll be like in a month. Or... <laughs> <laughs> it feels like. <laughs> later, guys. Cool. See you later. Yeah, Thanks, Oscar. Nice. Cool. Oh, and, and the pool is dwindling. Leah can't get in. I don't know what the fuck, Google. She, she's tried her tablet. She rebooted the PC. I, I don't know what's going on. I just want to point out that uh, when I ran a scenario at uh, Necronomicon and she played in it, all the player characters were playing uh, ISIS recruits, uh, foreign fighters who'd come to from all over the world to join the Islamic State, and they, uh, and of course she played one of the jihadists, and she was the meanest, <laughs> most misogynistic, sectarian scumbag, you know, uh, uh, jihadist of the entire bunch. Uh, she definitely got into it, and and of course the best part of the scenario is what are they? What is your mission as members of ISIS? To smash idols, to go around their, their territory they control and smash up artifacts and idols because 
what could possibly go wrong in a horror game? Smashing an idol. Yeah. <laughs> is that the same game that uh, that that you ran for Ross? Is that conspiracy? Is that is that what that um, was? I know I ran it for Ross. Uh, uh, Iconoclast is the name. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, uh, it's the same one I ran for Ross, and everyone got you know skinned alive by uh, Avatar of Nalathotep, you know, which is you know getting off easy as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the <laughs> state. But sadly, at no point has the uh, you know U.S. Air Force figured out how to squeeze an Avatar of Nalathotep into a J Dam. So we're just going to have to. We're just going to have to keep that relegated to fantasy for a little while. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, I, I got to take off, guys. I, I got to head home. I'm just, like I said, I'm not, I'm not even home. So. Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, right. Adios, nice. adios, Brett. Get Thank, your thanks for coming on. All right, and uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys soon on Fear Itself, and hopefully, I'll talk to everybody else at some point too, because you guys are cool. cool. So I appreciate. All right. Thanks, Brett. See ya. Good Brett. Oh, they're dropping like flies now. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. And, and then there were five. Well, well, Oscar said to me, I, I, when you asked me yesterday, hey, are we still going? I was like, shit, I better remind Oscar too because he's, you know, super busy with all Kickstarter shit. And I said, hey, by the way, Scott's coming on. He's like, why is anybody else even going to show up then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of us can fill the air with words and some of us can't. Vincent, you're the quietest motherfucker here. What? <laughs> you said like two goddamn words the whole time. What? What's up? That's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm letting you guys. I, this is all about you guys, not me. So you guys talk. That's, I, I want to listen. I'm soaking up the wisdom and the entertainment. This is, this is your podcast, dude. Aren't you uh, interested? I know. Like, why? If it's my podcast, I don't, it's not about me. It's about the podcast. It's about you. But this is the 100th episode. We are now turning the camera around at the creators, right? <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Ask away. Oh, ask away. All right. Ask away. All right. Um, let's see. Um, no. What's the dumbest thing John's ever done in a role-playing game? Wait, what? <laughs> the dumbest <laughs> The, the <laughs> dumbest thing John's dumbest ever done in a role playing John has ever made in a role playing game. The one where you're like, "That's it, we're all dead." Thanks, John. I mean, you know, what's his Leroy Jenkins moment, <laughs> shall we say? Actually, not. It wasn't really. It wasn't really his fault, but his he played the character so well, it seemed like it was a dumbass thing. Uh, when we played, uh, have you been watching uh, day listening to Day Trippers? Mm-hmm. When his character mm-hmm. succumbed succumb to the flower, the talking flowers and the giant baby. Come on, you have to look. <laughs> well, that so was some, that was some dumb shit. <laughs> but that wasn't my fault. Like no, so, that's what so I, I not, by saying that it wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. But Todd's Todd's kind acted. of bleedy GM. So he was asking us before the game. He was like, "So you know, what am I working with here? What are your you know what are your characters like? You know, where where are you guys at with stuff? Just trying to get some background." And you know, Vince had his thing kind of all set up and then sent over. So I I'm like, "Well, he's you know he's this and he's got this going on in his background and this kind of bad thing happened because I figured it'd be good for a hook." And then he's like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And I'm emailing, I'm like, well, shit, maybe I'm, maybe I'm dancing around the question. Like, I don't, maybe I'm not answering what he's asking. So this went on for like a half an hour. 
So then the whole episode was just a complete mind fuck for my character. And it was yeah. great. It was it was so it was, much fun. It was, a, it was a lot of fun, yeah. So we, we have our, our next session scheduled for, uh, I think, April 22nd. It's all part of the massive update to the calendar from the other day. So that's uh, that, that's going to be another another fun campaign to be a part of. Because, again, it's like it was super RP. Um, it was just – there were some roles, which, of course, I failed most of. Um, but it was just <laughs> a lot of character one. interaction. You failed, you failed all the psych ones. For the most part, all the, all I, I like. The, well, yeah, all the crucial ones. Never mind. Fuck it. Yeah, you, you fuck yeah the up. crucial ones. I would fail, and then shit would there get really bad. Rolling. Then I, I'd get one back, and then something else would happen. I would lose it again. It was so like a Cthulhu game. <laughs> 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 oh my god, so much fun. So, yeah. so Tony, yeah, what are so, yeah. We were talking about, um, you know, maybe running some one shots and things together. What What's the feasibility? Do you think to be able to? Uh, to get us to, to get to play something together. Uh, well, with the time difference low, obviously, but um, uh, when the kids get a little bit older and uh, my days off become non-babysitter days, then you know, hopefully things will be a little bit more likely. Uh, and that's that's happening sooner rather than later, so we'll see what happens. At the moment, I'm trying to find some Aussie guest stars and... Uh, the interviews that you've had with some of the people in Australia uh, actually is helping that out. So appreciate that. That's cool. Uh, definitely, definitely keen to uh, uh, listen. Like when I first heard the uh, Call of Cthulhu stuff you're doing, I was like, damn, why can't I be in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, unfortunately with the time difference, it's just a pain in the ass. Hmm. Now you, you guys are running a Pathfinder campaign now. Are you going to be mixing in any other campaigns or any other one shots? Kind of like what you had going on before the the site revamp, or is or are you just kind of Pathfinder for right now? Absolutely, we, I'm looking to finish up in April Pathfinder this first season and uh, Rogue Trader. We've got scheduled next. We've got some. Uh, it's a really famous pirate game that no one ever talks about. Uh, Seven Seas. We've got some oh, okay. of that coming up as well. Uh, that had a huge Kickstarter and has, seems to have a really big following. Um, and, yeah, we've got – we've yeah, <laughs> all the games that we used to play, we probably want to get them going again. So some Star Wars, some uh, back catalogue of we've, – we've kind of settled down from that, ooh, that sounds cool, let's play it, and uh, mm. uh, probably back to the classics like the Shadow Runs and that type of thing. That's cool. Oh, we're going to be in direct competition Rogue Trader-wise now. Mm. Well, we were going to start with Rogue Trader, but I heard you guys releasing, and I thought, ah, we'll give them a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. (laughs) Very generous. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you've you've got the longevity now. You've been recording, I guess, uh, since before Nerdband went away, right? It's it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. With the reboot, it kind of just looks like the beginning of the year now. Wow. So um, we're kind of back to square one, but that's all right. Uh, but yeah, we've been at it probably since the end of the play-by-posts, really. So it's like 2012, then probably. Yeah, and probably getting close to 10 years. Uh, you'd think I'd be better at it and better at <laughs> releasing on schedule and better at the social media, but 
Yeah, it is what it is. Just sitting here, all I can think of is I want to hear these Australian players play some post-apocalyptic games just so they can say things like gasoline and the juice. <laughs> <laughs> it was a white line nightmare. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like it just seems like it would be a natural fit, or you know, is that again? Is there some sort of uh, Australian rule that you got to stay away from post-apocalyptic games? Uh, let's, let, we let's... we have played some Atomic Highway in the past, but I think we based it in this well um, in World X, probably. But yeah, I, I guess we should really jump onto that um, <laughs> bandwagon, shouldn't we? I wasn't a big fan of the Mad Max films. The rest of the guys were, but I didn't see what the big deal was. So. <laughs> oh, wow. That is a bold statement coming from a, a nerdy role-playing game person from Australia. It's like, eh, Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's gutsy. <laughs> um, but uh, the one thing I never get to play is that I keep – I sit around and, you know, sort of covet the books – is Hollow Earth Expedition. Are you guys familiar with Hollow Earth Expedition? Yeah, Fandible got- has an ongoing yeah. campaign for that. Yeah. 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 You ever getting to play it? I, I've never played it, no. Well, uh, when I said earlier that I thought I could use Call of Cthulhu's rules to do um, pulpy Indiana Jones style, you know, adventures, um, and it didn't work, uh, you know, I. I signed on for every pulp game that ever came out like that crappy daredevils from fantasy games unlimited and uh even uh justice incorporated i think which was the the hero games champion version um Hall of the expedition really does great pulp if you want to punch a nazi off of a zeppelin into a into a t-rex then <laughs> that is the this is the right game system it really is it's it's cool it's not a game. Have you, have you, have you tried uh, Spirit of the Century? No, but I do own Spirit of the Century. I, yeah. I my problem is I still come from a land of very crunchy. Uh, I prefer thicker rules. And yeah, Spirit okay, of, yeah. Spirit of the Century is very rules light, and I don't know why I'm still sort of allergic to that to that sort of very rules light kind of gaming. I want uh, things spelled out. I want to know what my character's good at. I want to know. Uh, you know, I want things to be controlled to a certain extent, you know, by dice and mechanics as opposed to storytelling and, you know, sort of. No, no, I, I'm the same way. I'm not a big fake fan. Um, yeah, no, I completely understand what you mean. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, that's when I would try and sell. That's when I would try and pitch you guys on running games for as well uh, <laughs> is, to, is to play some Hollow Earth Expedition. Again, if you want to punch Nazis off of Zeppelins into dinosaurs, that would be the way to go. Yeah, that sounds so, uh, fantastic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's big on the two-fisted action adventure. It, 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 it manages to be um, to give a lot of player control over character uh, generation. You know, it's all point system. You spend what you want on what you want. There's nothing random about it. You build the character you want. Um and um, they use, a, you know, they use a point system to fudge the dice, so that uh, heroes and protagonists have this ability to fudge the dice rolls in ways that NPCs don't, because well, they're not the protagonists, you know. There's, that's the whole point of being the star of the serial or the star of the movie or the book series or the radio show. You know, you are you're going to have advantages that the uh, the others people do not. It's it's really well done. I, I gotta give it 
you know, all the possible thumbs up. If you guys ever uh, get an interest in going back to the 1930s and, you know, driving, uh, you know, old Ford motor cars and uh, Duesenbergs and whatever, uh, terracing through the Swiss Alps while stealing uh, artifacts from the Tula Society, you know, Please keep me in mind. I would be, I would love to be able to make some of that happen. Um, I had a game, had a campaign for a while, and unfortunately, you know, that once a month thing got to be a little too much for everybody. So, uh, have not been able to get back to it, but I'd love to. I mean, you know, last we left off, our players used a mole machine to tunnel into an abandoned Atlantean city that was, you know, covered with semi-intelligent ape cannibal or cannibal apes and steal the Atlantean crystals out from under it before the Nazis showed up with mustard gas and gassed <laughs> the entire city. So they got to fight Nazis in gas masks, which is always cool. That's when the Nazis show up and they've got the, the big Darth Vader gear on. It's even better because you can kill them at will because they're Nazis, right? You know, you never have to feel guilty about mowing down Nazis. But once they get the gas masks on, they're completely depersonalized, no guilt involved whatsoever. <laughs> John, That's Vince, awesome. what, what game would you like to uh, bring into the fold for you guys when you're moving up to the 200th episode? Um, I, You know, I think with the popularity of Star Wars right now and all these movies coming out and everything, I think the the place to be if we want to pander would be like an Edge of the Empire campaign. Um, Neil was running one play-by-post uh, that we tried. I think we had started he was just running some games like sort of on the side, like before all this happened uh, and we were trying a, a edge of the empire game and it just, you know, people's schedules and things and it just, it didn't work out. I, I think that one would, I think it would serve the podcast well as, as far as just popularity of a system. Um, I played it a little bit. It's okay. You know, it has that, that very loose non-mechanical narrative, you know, and storytelling dice and stuff, which, it's you know I like it. It's it's fine. I I like a crunchy system. Like I love Rogue Trader. You know D and D obviously. Um, Jesse's getting ready to start that Cipher system game, and God bless him, Monty Cook. You know he's he's been a designer forever. I right now trying to create a character and get into this game. I hate it. I hate everything about it. It's like okay, here's a list of skills. You don't get any skills. Unless, like, you take this specific background or this focus, you, you just, you're not trained in anything. Not that you can't do it. It's just such a different and it's, open-ended. That's, that's the, the Numenera similar system, isn't it? Yeah, Cypher system is the core rule set. Numenera is a setting, and then the Strange is their horror. I guess it's horror setting. Yeah, I find when I my Numenera character, I found the same issues with the skills. Um, and when we actually played the game, most of the skills didn't seem to come into play. This, uh, in New, Numenera specifically, it's like you just roll Numenera for everything. Um, yeah. But I found I found myself making a character with uh, mutations that kind of triggered more mutations and more mutations. So I just ended up with this crazy Cthulhu-esque uh, eye stalk, uh, tentacle-legged, multi-mouthed, like <laughs> monstrosity uh, right. to kind of keep the thing fun for me. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a different type of system. Um, 
didn't uh, it also didn't really click with me, but um, the world also didn't really click with me. So mm. it was I had heaps of fun playing a mini Cthulhu though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, well, you look you look like you were aghast at my at my frustration with uh, Well, you know, system. again, there's a lot of balls being shown on this uh podcast. <laughs> To criticize to criticize the you know the the, the giants of the industry it's like no you're not doing a good job that didn't work for me um, no, I didn't say that it's, it yeah. doesn't work for me like I well, not doing a good job, not doing a good job is the wrong answer but didn't did not work for you is a good is a good criticism you know yeah I'm 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 not it it's just like I said it, it's a completely different way to look. At role playing, like for me specifically, like because everything else I've played is so very crunchy. Uh, not fear itself so much, but uh, there is a, a mechanical I, to it. Do you think we can ever convince you guys to play Dread, where you each have a Jenga tower? <laughs> <laughs> you know? I would awesome. play it. I, yeah. I, so I, I told Jesse, you know, we were exchanging emails and stuff, and I, you know, kind of expressed my my you know frustration with trying to like wrap my head around you know where I need to go and and you know kind of how to put a character together and whatever. And I, and I said to him, I said, you could run Candyland the RPG and we'll have a great time. I know because he, he's a really good GM. So I know that once we get in and once, once we start to play and once I kind of get my feet under me, I'm sure it'll be great. But, but the initial kind of, you know, pass through to sort of put it together, it's, it's, just, it's frustrating for me personally. It's just frustrating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, it depends what, um, I guess frustrates you when you're playing a game, and I, I find that some of the more modern games that are rules light, I guess, often you'll stop game playing to say, "Okay, what do we do here?" And essentially, you just have to come up with an agreement, which is fine. But I don't like, I don't like those stops in games. Whereas rules-heavy games, you can say, "All right, find the page in the book." And move on straight away instead of come up with a social agreement or what we're going to do here. And uh, it's, I guess it's a diff- just a different way of thinking, maybe hitting different um, parts of your brain. Um, that's what I don't like. And I find that the uh, limit, like everything kind of goes back to the main conceits of your character, which means your characters turn into really just 2D things they don't have other like tiny little sub branches that they can go into um because they're always coming back to those main conceits uh and that kind of just annoys me a bit because that's the whole thing that they're not meant to do and that might be a limitation of my creativity but well how do you how do you guys react to um sort of uh, uh sandbox games versus uh you know, something very structured by your game master where, you know, let's hear from everybody here in the panel. Uh, do you, you do you react better to a game that has a nice, I mean, a nice structure where there's a mission, a mystery, a thing to do, or um, how, uh, or, you know, what's your experience versus that versus a, a, an open sandbox where you're like, you know, congratulations, you're now part of Her Majesty Victoria's expedition to the Red Planet. You know, you're going to Mars. Where do you want to touch down with your ether ship and claim this this land in the name of the Queen? Uh, and then just, you know, just be 
set loose like that. Uh, I, I've played in both, right? So, so Vince's D and D campaign is a sandbox game. I mean, there's there's the structure of D and D as a role set, um, and it, and there is sort of, you know, that loose sort of conceit. Okay, you guys, you know, this is this is a social contract. Like, this is the adventure that's before you. Are you going to accept? I mean, because you'd be like, fuck it, we stay in the inn and, you know, we take it over and we run it. And that's the whole, <laughs> I don't, I don't, that mindset, I don't understand. Like there's a buy-in, like we're getting together to play a game and we're going to follow kind of where this goes. Um, and, and the games that Neil runs, it's the same thing. I mean, there's no module, there's no anything. It's like, hey, this is the story. This is your main objective. Go. And, and, and how do you wind up? you know, getting from point A to point B. Um, and, and that's fun. I enjoy that. Um, you know, Todd's game, kind of the same thing. Like here's your, your basic conceit, your, your day trippers, you're going to go to this place. You need to find a thing, go and do it. Um, and, and all the, all the games that we're playing for the most part are super RP heavy, um, which is just a ton of fun just to be a part of that, you know, character interaction and sort of developing the world. So I enjoy it. But like mechanically, as far as like, you know, sort of building characters and like how many actions can I take and, and, and that sort of, you know, economy of actions and things like that. I, I enjoy that because then I kind of have a feeling as to where you are in the world, like what your abilities are to do things for me. So like sandbox, I enjoy sandbox as much as a module um, because even with the module, like, you know, okay, you you have to go kill the necromancer and you know, you're going to go through the dungeon. Well, I go left or I go right. I mean, it's, you're still kind of on rails, but you, there is that illusion of, you know, we can go this way or that way where we can go back and rest and then come back or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not answering <laughs> somebody else. Try. There you are. What about you, Vincent? You're next. Um, I guess it depends on the, the how well the DM pushes across either the, the set, the set scenario versus hey, he's making it up as he goes along. But sometimes you really can't tell it's done with such finesse and like, like an art. Um, yeah. I like, it's like John was saying, I'm running a sandbox at the moment, but I, I have some, I have a, like a general outline how I want things to go, but it's a little difficult when we decide to use a 3d terrain because you can't deviate too much. I have to sort of guide people, the characters in that direction. And as John said, there's a social contract. It's like, okay, well, the DM placed this before us. We can't just look at it and go, yeah, well, fuck that, we're going this way. I mean, I guess they could, and I could rearrange some stuff as I, as I go <laughs> along, but there's that. And we're, when you're, for playing a live game, it's different for the, for the listening. But when you're watching it, to have those things on the board and they see the little characters and then the camaraderie of everyone around the table, that that would be the draw for me if I'm watching it. So that that's helpful. So you balance balance those two. I mean, I have like I said, I have a general outline, and it sort of has to follow, especially if I'm doing 3D. But if John's character or or, or Gabe's character comes up and says, "Oh well, in addition, I want to do this," but sure, why not? I mean. I can't try even, to say yes when you can. I can't even imagine running an open sandbox kind of campaign and then a, a, attempting to weave in 3D land uh, landscapes and miniatures. It's, it is it's a, little, it's a little difficult, but fun. But fun. Oh, if you can if you can get away with it, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I, the, I, uh, good. 
I was going to say, when we first started the sewer tiles, the Dwarven Forge sewer tiles, shout out to you guys. They were just fantastic. And I would love to, going back to, we were talking about um, other games you'd like to see, Tonda, you asked that question. I would love to, to run a one-off or be part of a, a one-off Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role playing. You've already yes, got yes, that would be cool. Yes, that would be cool. Uh, exactly. Oh, no. tiles would be perfect. We let this guy in. Let this guy in. <laughs> what's up? Neil, what's happening? Neil, what's happening? I'm just getting done. Someone's got to turn off. That would be. Mute yourself for a minute. We're we're getting all kinds of echo from you. From me? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Mute. Just test it. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Neil, whatever you're doing is providing feedback. You get a little bit of a loop going there. What about now? Lift your left leg. Nope. Um, Sounds okay, Neil. That's okay. Wait, that's good. Car mic. Oh, you're in the car. <laughs> yeah, I no. literally, I literally just got done roasting. Like, I literally just walked out the door. That's how fresh the coffee is when you order. Either <laughs> roasting right. exactly. at nine, almost ten o'clock at night, and then it's going out to you tomorrow. So go ahead that's to right. Birds Coffee Company and order your your dark roast. You could just do it now. Just do it now. No, that's that's, that's yeah. fucking dedication. <laughs> yeah, I, I did 50 pounds just oh my in the last three hours. So, you know. Yeah. Well, nice. done. The Vincent TMNT game would be awesome. I've heard one of those played. I know, right? And, and yeah, the, the rules sound pretty damn cool. Like yeah, the character generation, yeah. Yeah, we have to do it. We'll set up the, the, uh, the sewer tiles and everything. Well, same question to David and Kevin, you know, any preference on gaming when it comes to whether you want uh, a game master to set down a very specific adventure that they've worked out or whether you are, um, how, do you, or how do you feel about sandboxes where you, you have a whole world to explore and you make the choices about what you do and whether it's going to be a pirate game or whether it's going to be a, uh, a dungeon crawler, whether it's going to be a court intrigue or whatever, you know. I think the key is it always if if the person running it what they're most comfortable with so if they're more comfortable taking a module and running it that way I think that really sets the tone for how the rest of it goes and if you have a bunch of people playing it who don't work well off each other doing something open really doesn't help because if they're not if they're not interacting very well where they're not being being able to do that yes and kind of thing then it, it, it's really hard to get through and it you know it can it can bog down a bit but i think if you have someone who can run a sandbox and you have a bunch of people who are good at maybe they've been together a while or maybe they know each other you know their tells or yeah i think that's the key to that and i think it's just a matter of who the people are you know i've i've, I've done stuff where it's just you know it just drags just because there isn't that interaction there isn't that give and take and then maybe if you're thinking well if th this this group's better for you know an old school module where you just have to do all these things and there is a bit of railroading and it makes it a bit more fun that way because that interaction isn't working and it really just depends on kind of the dynamic of who's running it and you know but preference whatever is fun you know whatever whatever you, you get the most joy out of is probably the best, but I think it is a matter of kind of reading the room and seeing what works best that way. I, I'd, I'd follow on with that to say I agree pretty much. Um, 
whatever lets the DM or GM or whatever they're called, storyteller, be more comfortable with the story to run with the punches makes me happy as a player. Uh, the thing, because essentially, whether you're playing from a storybook or a sandbox or like the, the, the game master knows what they're going to put in place or is asking questions to find out what they're going to put in place. Mm-hmm. What gets me uh, personally uh, and annoys me is if I, my player takes an or my character takes an action and that action has to fail due to story. So if logically I should be able to do something as a character and they can't allow that to happen because it's going to wreck something in the next chapter of the module or in their like in their flow chart, that's what'll get me, and I'll I'll be a petty person and dwell on that for a session or two. Um, so yeah, as, as long as uh, as long as the person can roll with the punches, I'll, I'll be much happy to play in any type of uh, game. I've never. Like I've, I've never actually been in a situation where I've read a module because I don't read the modules, um, where I've read a module and know what's happening anyway. So if they're comfortable, I won't even know that they're playing from an, uh, a module really. So it's it's that logic that'll tweak my brain. How about you, Neil? Same question. I'm just uh, just picking everybody's head here about uh, how they feel about. Uh, uh, the GM letting the players sort of pick the route in the sandbox and decide what kind of game that they're going to have or how they feel about having the game master just present them with, okay, this, this week's game is about, you know, exploring a jungle or finding a lost treasure or, you know, something like that. No answer from Neil. Come on, man. Did we lose Neil? I just... Technically still in the hangout. <laughs> He's driving very cautiously. Oh dear. Maybe? No? Neil, are you are you upside down in a ditch? Did you crash? Yes. You're hanging you hanging from your seatbelt with your legs outside the door. God damn it. <laughs> oh John. Moon, moon. Yes. This week I actually received something in the mail. I don't know if they're still sponsoring, but uh <laughs> Very happy with my Easy Roller Dice Company metallic <laughs> dice. Nice. Are you the only one that ordered? Did any other guys get in on that? Uh, I actually I ordered for one of the other players. Um, but, yeah, very happy with them. Nice. Cool. Did you, did you get the, the Serpent's Blood set, the, uh, the, the brush nickel ones? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, gunmetal with the yellow paint. Gunmetal. Yeah, gunmetal. I can never remember the damn name of that thing. <laughs> Yeah, mine, mine are the, the gunmetal with the green. They call it the serpent's blood. It's got like an electric green on it. Yeah. Ah, okay. Cool. Well, cool. Well, cool. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you got your dice and that uh, and that you like them. I, I I talked to Michael. I tried to get him to uh, to come on tonight as sponsor of the show, but uh, these kids had uh, baseball tonight, so we weren't able to uh, to get that to work out. But I. I, maybe we're kind of still, or um, we're. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with them. But uh, yeah, Easy Roller Dice Company's been uh, sponsoring the show the last month, and uh, if you use, maybe still use. I don't know if it still works. Code Legends Ten, you'll get ten percent off your order. So uh, you can go over and check it out, see if they haven't taken that down yet, and uh, if it works. Tech support. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You got to open up your window all the way. Come on. <laughs> John helped me out with actually working out how to get the discount code to work. So. <laughs> Easy Roller Dice Company is indeed still sponsoring the podcast, so you can use code LEGENDS10 to get 10% off your order. So check them out, easyrollerdicecompany.com. Well, so so let me let me ask you this, uh, Scott. I don't know. Maybe we want to kick this out to everybody. So in in a game like Rogue Trader, where you have someone who's actually playing the Rogue Trader, uh, or or in any game where you have someone who's specifically playing the talkier face character, uh, how do you balance that out to sort of make sure that everyone, as a game master, as so that everyone is sort of involved with what's going on? Because I. I, in two of the games that we play, I, I, I'm the face, and, I, and I'm cognizant of that to try to make sure that everybody is involved. And, and maybe, Kevin, you want to speak to this a little bit because you're, you know, Void Master in the Rogue Trader game, you know, because it's, you know, can very much be, okay, I'm in charge, we're going to do this. Uh, where, you know, the Rogue Trader game, you know, it's always like, I look to Emmis, I look to Kane, you know, what do you guys think? Where are we at? What do you guys want to do? And I don't know if that comes off as weakness as the the leader, you know, per se. I mean, I, as far as a player, you know, I want everyone to be involved. I want to get everybody's feedback and make sure that everybody else is having fun because, you know, we just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> well, um, for in certain games, a command structure is going to be effective when it comes time to take action uh, in the game, when it comes time to actually decide what to do and where to go. Players tend to scatter like cockroaches uh, uh, under bright lights when the action starts. Everyone wants to run off and do their own thing. There's no coordination of action. And, and a real, you know, in a real firefight or a real combat swords or whatever situation, player characters just get mowed down by professionals who acted in unison you know um the player characters are all those you know brave celtic warriors covered in woad and you know if the npcs show up and they're a, a, a roman phalanx you know the uh, the romans are taking home a lot of extra trophies <laughs> you know off the corpses of the celts and that's all that's going to be um it's not the best thing for a lot of it. A, a lot of games, though. Uh, one of the things that we've hit, you know, especially investigative games, which you know are all about individual players showing off their sort of individual specialty skill when it comes to maybe an investigation. One person's the forensics guy. One person's the interrogation guy. You know, um, uh, one of the issues that I've, that kind of keeps coming up uh, in the material that I've been doing for the World War One scenarios is that they're all in structured hierarchies, you know, almost all of them. There's like one scenario I have where the players are not in a command structure with each other, where it's, uh, you know, an American diplomat and a uh, Dutch uh, aid organization person and, you know, uh, other civilians who are all inside occupied German Belgium uh, in 1915 so you can have all these people who are not in a uh, military structure but most times they're it's all hierarchical it's uh, guys on a zeppelin it's guys in a tunneling company it's guys in a uh in a um u-boat uh and um that means that there is a situation where you could have players sort of uh relegated because of their character's status 
in the ranks. Had a very unsuccessful run of um, Dig for Victory, where one of the characters was not in the company's officers group. He was a non-commissioned officer. And it may have been not just that the character was uh, not an officer and therefore kind of got relegated to doing tasks like stay over here and make sure nothing gets past us. Okay. You know, another problem was that he took the character who was the, the guy who was in charge of, he was the demolitions character. And there was just something about the scenario where they wanted to have somebody, a player character standing near the exploder to set off the explosives. Um, because they didn't, because they were going to go poke the mythos problem underground and they didn't want whatever it was to come shooting out of the tunnel and get them all. Um, so they're like, well, we're not leaving this for an NPC. NPCs always fuck it up. If we give it to an NPC, Scott will screw us. So we have to leave a player character behind to do nothing the whole scenario. That NPC is always wearing a red shirt, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. They're either treacherous or they're incompetent or they're dead. That's how NPCs are. And that is, which I thought was dumb because as far as the both, the game masters around Pagan Publishing, John Crow, myself, um, you know, uh, uh, even Dennis Detwiler, who's murderous on player characters, he never had to just, he, he never had to, he never had to do things where it's like, oh, the player carry you lift it to an NPC, so it's my automatic uh, lever as the game master to fuck the players. You know that never happened. The, you know, so they, they by by having to think that they had to, you know, make sure there was somebody there to blow up the tunnel and collapse it so the problem couldn't escape into the rest of the tunnel and eat the players. They sort of abandoned a player character to not doing anything very interesting during the climax. You know. <laughs> Of the game, which is sort of unfortunate. Um, now that I think of it, I can think of at least one time that we did have an NPC go off and you know start the problem for us. Um, but that was sort of necessary because it was one of these things where it was a scenario that's about you know, uh, gee, this is a shiny you know what what a shiny soapstone with a with a star with a eye and a flame on it. I'll take it off of this wall. And or take it off this door and put it in my backpack because clearly it's valuable. It was one of those things where, as the players, you had to let the problem out, and we just weren't exploring the ruin. We're in a ruin. We're not. Ex we're in an Anasazi ruin on the Colorado River in 1846, and we're not going around poking things. We're just like, oh, gather some firewood. And we'll you know set up camp here, and you know. The game master's like, well, they've got to go poke the problem and set it off. You know, they've got to step on the landmine. Uh, if if the players won't step on the landmine, I'll get up. I'll get an NPC to step on the landmine, and it still has the same effect. I, I can accept that because that's how you get the interesting scenario going, and now you're in it. You know, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that the NPCs survived the scenario. <laughs> Once he doomed us all, it was like. You know, we, we, we arranged her. I think what happened was that, you know, the first the first death in the scenario was actually one of the player characters murdering the NPC. <laughs> Before the monster even got out and started killing people, it's like, what happened to Bob? You know, I don't know. We should look around for him. My God, he's down by the river. What do you think happened? Coyotes. <laughs> I think it helps for for the game that we're playing in John since I'm new to it. So 
you know, you've, you know, Bessie, you know, Jesse, you know, Neil from before. I think having that person kind of direct it helps me a little bit because I don't know all of you guys. So it helps me pull it into a bit. And I think also on Tondi, whenever Tondi has one of the guys who's coming in remotely, so he has most of the guys around the table, but if there's someone coming in on a chat, to be able to have someone, if it's a rogue trader game or someone where there's the lead character to make sure that that person stays involved because it's easy if you're not all together to get lost in the shuffle. So if you're a new person into a new group or if someone's remote when everyone else is, it's good to have that rogue trader or, you know, leader of the expedition or, you know, that face kind of pulling them into it as prompts because I get worried because I don't know the rest of you guys from before. So I don't want to, jump in too much, but I also don't want to stay back. So you having that prompt from you help. And I think the last section with that the last session we had was actually really, really good. There was a lot of role playing, but there was also a lot of, you know, dice rolling. And I think we worked out really well. But, you know, having that kind of lead character helps if you're having someone remote or if you're having someone new to the group. I think that works really well. I was about to say that when it comes to the sort of command structure, I've sort of picked up over the course of um, running these military based scenarios that sometimes it's best if I make the commanding officer an NPC and that the player characters are second tier officers and uh, top NCOs because um, sometimes part of the scenario is getting the players into problems they don't want to be in. And there, you know, a lot of people will still metagame and go, no, I'm not going to read the book. I'm not going to open the box, you know, and you've got to have an authority figure there to sort of nudge the scenario along. Um, plus, it, it add complexity, any type of power, like any type of power structure. We recently played Masks, which is a superhero game where you play teen superheroes, upcoming superheroes, and essentially all adults are meant to have a little bit of a sway over you because they're older than you, they've got more experience, and you're a kid. But it, as, as, and rogue traders the same. If you're not the rogue trader, you've got this additional um social thing that you have to take into account when you're uh role playing that it's like i'm no i'm traditionally i guess in role playing even if you're in a group i i see my character as the hero even if it's like you've got four heroes in your group i'm the hero as soon as you're not the hero you kind of put in a new position um so that was a little bit, and I think it makes it more difficult to play. Uh, we've definitely played in uh, Rogue Trader games where we haven't had a Rogue Trader, and that's because no one really wanted that responsibility. Well, there's the, there's the, A, there's the responsibility of decision-making, and B, there's the possibility of players starting to resent the authority of another player. Mm-hmm. They don't really resent the authority of an NPC, you know. Um, and and then, yeah, you need to trust whoever's in that role to play so they're not going to invoke that uh, um, or, you know, I guess mutinies can be fun as well. But it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it would just be constant mutinies. It would just look like <laughs> reservoir dogs where they're all standing around pointing guns at each other, you know. It, uh, it would just be nonstop player characters it's good that bessie hasn't joined in john because i have a feeling either he'll go rogue or he'll try to pull me into it so we'll have to keep an eye on the metagame and that's that's the great thing like he doesn't say a whole lot but when he does it's so 
adversarial and it's so much fun i mean it's yeah. just it's such an awesome thing like you know a little snide comments back and forth and blah 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 and, you know like in theory he has about as much power as the rogue trader does being the missionary because he can literally just burn me right like because <laughs> he works for the emperor and the ecclesiarchy and whatever like who's gonna who's gonna challenge it really yeah. so there's a, a delicate you know, balancing act between the two characters. It's just so much fun. And I, as a player and as a character, have no idea where he's at because <laughs> things will come up and you'll be like, oh, he's not going to go along with that. And he's like, yeah, that, that's fine. We'll do that. And I'm like, really? We're going to, okay, well, all right, we'll do that. That's cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it is a it is a delicate balance and and we talked about before starting the campaign not having a rogue trader to sort of you know not get into any of that sort of you know side you know anybody getting their feelings hurt or or whatever um, but then we decided well go ahead and do it because nobody really had any familiarity with the system other than yeah. me and and Neil who was running it yeah. so you know I just it, it's something that I worry about because the fear game is the same way. Eric from Gamers Table was going to be our face, and then you know scheduling didn't work out and whatever, and he wound up dropping out. And you know Brett hadn't played, and Kurt wasn't real familiar, so it was you know again that same sort of situation. It's like, well, I guess it's me now. <laughs> so but what the, the only thing, the only thing worse than setting up a situation where the players are feeling resentful about one player being the leader and getting to make all the decisions, and something like Rogue Trader, where it's this fucking fascist, you know, horrifying system that's what like a skull-based economy or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's that's really nasty. Now. You know, my first thought would be what I'd want to do is like that is you there is a rogue trader. The GM has the rogue trader and he's a horrible, capricious fuck. <laughs> and you poor bastards are just, you know, on the good ship bounty or whatever. Um yeah. and he's your he's your you know, your uh, lieutenant he's your commander Quig, uh, you know, uh for the I guess that would be the cane. I just mixed my two mutants up. That's <laughs> Bly and Queeg, but all right. So he's your uh, Queeg Bly, all right. So you know your Captain Queeg Bly, uh, who's unreasonable and risk taking with your lives, and you know that would be the the, the sort of the natural thing I'd want to do with something like Rogue Trader, where you know you're just being thrown into horrible situations by this guy whose authority you can't possibly challenge, and you know, but um, but the bad the the other bad option for having one of the players not enjoying the responsibility of the other players not enjoying the um uh the authority of that player is the nasty thing and i've had this happen and it, it's one of the things where i want to put a gun in my mouth when it happens is where there is a leader and you guys are second tier all the players second tier sort of characters and at some point maybe my plan is to ditch the leader he gets sick he dies he gets eaten whatever but there's going to be moments where the leader will be leading and he'll be like doing things like talking to NPCs while you guys have to shut up, you know, while he does his job. And then it's just the game master talking to himself. Yeah. <laughs> and that is just so boring. Oh my God. That's so boring. You know, it's um, like when you get into a situation where you've got two NPCs that have to have a conversation to get the story out. <laughs> yeah, that's always it, it, bad it, times. It, it's terrible. You anything you can do to avoid that. If you if that's starting up, uh, you kind of have to 
you know, go with the old, um, uh, you know, quick, have a door kicked in and a couple of guys with guns come in and start shooting because <laughs> the last thing you want is, you know, the game master to, to be doing two sides of a monologue, you know. That is the kiss of death. Um, the, and, the exception to that should be is if you write them, if you write the scenario, then you get to be the face. So that whoever's running the game, if it's your scenario you wrote, then you should be able to be the the person that kind of leads everybody around. And oh, as long as you main, as long as there's a way for you to get off stage at some point, and the yeah. player characters stop being supporting characters in somebody else's story. I mean, that's the that's the thing you want to avoid. It's that Mary gary sue problem of uh of pet npcs for game masters you know you can't you can't let the the player characters end up being supporting characters they're supposed to be the protagonist now that rogue trader thing where there's your you know maniacal rogue trader with the power of life and death over his whole crew and you're stuck having to keep up with this capriciousness or you know Maybe he's got something going on where it's getting all of you in trouble, but you guys don't know that he's doing something wrong that's going to get everybody on the ship liquidated uh, because he's breaking whatever rules there are out there for the Empire. Um, you, you know, he's, he's not... Maybe he thinks he's the protagonist, but he is really just sort of the scenario. You guys have to navigate the nasty that is that is that character and and um, maybe you have to create your own sort of structures uh, in your group to decide, you know, how are you going to organize your conspiracy against the, the captain uh, yeah. Yeah, for your mutiny. Again, player characters love a mutiny. So, <laughs> you know. Another thing you can do, because, I mean, this does happen in heaps of games, not just Rogue Trader. Like, Shadowrun has a traditional face. In D&D, if there's ever an important decision, you look at the high charisma character for yeah. the speaking. And it's, it's, it's just have, as a, as a GM, have a NPC conversation like with a non-face uh, character and don't have a role at the end. Don't, don't make them have to roll uh, diplomacy or bluff or anything. Just have a conversation with them. And if a decision comes with it, take it and move on with it. Uh, don't force a character who's not built for something into that situation and then say, okay, now roll. Oh, you're going to fail. Of course you're going to fail. Right. Yeah. Neil's pretty good about that. I mean, in the fear game, we'll go, I mean, we may go a whole session and not roll dice because we, because we RP so much. So we'll just, like you're saying, we'll just have conversations with people and then information will come out or whatever. I mean, a lot of times we'll spend points as opposed to rolling um, and we'll get additional information that way. Um, but yeah, he, he's usually pretty good about just kind of, Call of Cthulhu was always the game where you were terrified of the fucking dice. So anytime yes. you did not roll dice was the best thing ever. And I can think of a couple of examples that usually came down to like, um, uh, it was always the spot hidden roll, you know, where you'd be searching for the hidden item. And I can remember a couple times when it was always Brian Appleton, who was one of the regular pagan you know, paganistas. And he was the guy who would always just say things like, I'm going to, we're in the office. It's full of occult books. Uh, there's a, you know, it's the office is described to us. Uh, I pull the oriental rug away from in front of the desk. Yes, there's a fucking magic circle inscribed on the floor under the rug. And he's like, he doesn't have to roll for it. He just says, I look under the rug. Yep, of course it's there. You know, the, the, then that led to a series of us always checking under the rug. Wherever <laughs> and um, yeah, when I ran Call of Cthulhu, I found myself 
having to remember to ask for roles. And we, yeah, it's, it's a very easy game not to call for roles for. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and yeah, and that, that heightens the roles when they do occur. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's the same guy in Massa Narlathotep who just on a lark in the uh, Penhu Foundation said, ah, just push on the eyes on the mummy case. And then it unlocks and slides aside and is a giant secret passage where, you know, in the text it says something like, for players to discover this, they have to roll like one-tenth their spot hidden roll. And Brian just went, I ah, just push on the eyes because I saw it in a Bella Lugosi movie last week. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it works. And he's like, as it rolls aside, there's a giant secret passage. He's like, what, really? What? <laughs> are you kidding me? He's like, no, it really worked. You really found your way in. All the mythos clues are down here. And it was, yeah. Um, but he had a real talent for that. He was the guy who could always just find the secret thing um, by just this, you know, describing where he was going to look and where he was going to search and not have to roll a die roll. That was always kind of awesome when it happened. Um, <laughs> Well, what about you, Vince? In, in all the years that you've been uh, GMing and stuff, have, have you ever come across a, a situation like that at the table where, you know, one one person maybe shine more than than the rest of the group, or or some player was thrust into a situation that they were uncomfortable with? Um, I don't think so. Not lately, anyway. And if there has been in the past. It's escaped my you know senility is starting to set in. So yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> and the virtual table have been invested in uh, what they're doing. So I really run into that too much. Uh, I think we're a little... Some, you may get someone who's more introverted, I think, than someone else, but I think for the most part, um, yeah, don't run into that. Yeah, I, I think in our, in our current campaigns over the last, you know, going on 10 years now, I think it's been more ensemble. Like, I don't think we've had anybody that's really sort of either Rogue. jockeyed yeah. for that position or been thrust into that position. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, there's, there's little, little individual minor individual quirks, but for the most part, it's, it's cooperation. I mean, that's what it's about really. That's, what, <laughs> that's, what, that's why but, you play. You don't want someone to end up being the shadow while everyone else has to be, you know, one of his retainers or something or doc savage yeah. and everyone else fab five. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that again, you know, why are the players being the supporting cast for somebody else? They should be the protagonists. Yeah, it, yeah I, I, I try to have... Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, I try to orchestrate it so each character has um, a piece of the plot as the campaign continues. When I, gonna, uh, that's a really a good question for you. Sure. What would you guys like to see in the gaming industry, tabletop gaming industry in general, in the next... 12 months or so. What would we like to see? Like an increase of, like for me, yeah. it's digital tools. Downloads mm. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People are still watching. Please smash that like button. There was up to eight people and I think one person hit the like button. Come on. I mean, come on. Really? <laughs> the like button for fuck's sake. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Smash that like button because you know why it helps us out google's ridiculous algorithm relies on smashing the like button and leaving comments so you do it for everything else do it for us do it thank you that was a public service announcement 
that it actually came off a little threatening. <laughs> it was well, it was a threatening publicist. It was a little it was a little dark and threatening, which is which is effective. You and, like it. Yeah, exactly. You like to be quiet. <laughs> He's not even playing Rogue Trader. <laughs> yeah. Tony, are you using any are you using any digital stuff now or sadly no. I'm not. I, I would love to be able to um use more digital tools. I mean, um back in the some of it is that mechanics have gotten a lot simpler. A lot simpler in gaming. And um there was a time when I think of the '80s when I can think of incredibly complicated dig, uh, uh, mechanics for games like you know, well, things like Twilight 2000 and um, uh, some of the fantasy game and limited games like uh, uh, Bushido or uh, some of those things, and or or games like um, more board games like. Uh, uh, war games like um, Mech Warrior, you know, the rules were incredible, oh, yeah. or, or Car Wars, you know. Um, oh, yeah, I was just thinking about that, that Car Wars earlier. You know, if I had, you know, my Car Wars, yeah. you know, counters or my, you know, miniatures on a table, and, uh, you know, we're moving, you know, and I had this uh, 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 digital tool that would tell me, you know, which would keep up with all the pluses and minuses of the die rolls, you know, for me. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I, I I didn't want it to just become a video game of smashing buttons and my own personal dexterity. You know, I wanted it to be about the driver in the car or about the mech and the pilot. You know, I would love for those kind of digital tools uh, to see more of. In fact, um, I'm trying to remember, Hairbrain Schemes uh, is doing some Mech Warrior now. Um, they did a previous game called. Um, Golem Arcana, where it was sort of mech warrior, but in a fantasy setting. And they had this brilliant thing where it was like that. They had, it was, you know, it all used iPads or, or and the iPads were hooked up to the miniature and the miniature was hooked up to a, to a map that digitally kept track of where on the map the miniature was and what the conditions and terrain on the map were like, oh, there's forest in that hex, so it's this plus and this minus for combat and movement oh, wow. and yards. And it was a really brilliant system uh, that uh, unfortunately, I think, was like the first people to invent it, so you never want to be the first guys to invent something. You want to be the second guys, but, you know, attaching yeah. that to you know, World War II tank miniature games and wargaming, so that or, or attaching that to the Warhammer stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, would be I'd love to see more of that, you know, with an electronic map that keeps track of where the miniatures are, uh, their range. You don't have to calculate the range because you just have miniature A and miniature B, and the the, the map the map knows from there. Yeah. How far. I'd love to see more of that and make that stuff a thousand times more accessible. Um, to take all that boring math and 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 relegate it to the uh, job of the machine take care of for you while you enjoy blowing up your enemy mech or mowing down the enemy panzer grenadiers you know yeah I'd, lo I'd love to see some more of that type of thing even even um just like shared character digital character sheets i think it'd be cool but uh, with pathfinder it's been a bit of a revelation uh because they're the open source license they've got all of their source books online but they've done it in a way that's extremely accessible. So 
if I need to do an encounter, I can just go up to all their source books. I can tick a couple of checkboxes. I say, I'm, I'm at this encounter level. I'm looking for this type of monster, this type of, you know, challenge rating, and it'll just completely filter down hundreds and hundreds of their bestiary monsters straight from the source books and say, these are your options, which I can then click on, have their character stats right there. We can do a, a, a Google search for the rules and we can find it pretty much on first hit. And it's not a wiki that someone else is keeping up to date. It's the Pathfinder stuff. So it's been absolutely fantastic rules-wise as a GM. Um, being able to Google search instead of index search on a book or a PDF, we use a PDF find. So I'd love to see more of that. Um, yeah. Um, as far as you know, you know that's cool. That's a that's a that's a gadget or a toy. But I don't know what I want to see in. Um, uh, I don't know what I want to see in um, themes or genres. Um, you know, uh, do we get, there seems to be a lot of interest in dystopias. What with the man in the high castle running and, uh, uh, the handmaid's tale coming up. Um, we seem to be getting more than our fair share of dystopias. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure I want to see more of that. Um, as much as I sort of, sort of enjoy dystopic. I mean, Cur current administration uh, being a problem, I think maybe paranoia would be uh, due for a comeback, you know, as far as sort of a lighthearted and nonsensical dystopia. Um, I, I think I'd like to see more modern stuff. Oh, uh, you mean like uh, sort of, uh, uh, th you know, action adventure kind of stuff like uh, uh, modern intrigue or spies or gangsters or that kind of stuff what do you mean by modern just like modern yeah, setting yeah, yeah modern, modern setting so uh, i know dresden's fairly recent but modern fantasy modern spies modern sci-fi um so i think i think we've kind of come like you said a lot of dystopia a lot of sci-fi has just uh been a bit of a hit Fantasy's kind of always there with dnd um it's never really in a lull, I guess. But um, uh, we played World of Darkness years ago, and I feel like there hasn't really been that much modern since then. I'm always looking for a good supers game, and I haven't found one either. <laughs> um, now I would throw uh, uh, Godlike out at you. That was uh, published some years ago, and it was a World War II's superhero game. Uh, where you play the exceptional people who are uh, on both sides of the Axis Allied thing. And the problem is that you may be superpowered, but you can still get hit with an artillery shell and blown to ribbons. So <laughs> being a super didn't help, doesn't really help a whole lot. And because there's supers on both sides of World War II, World War II plays out almost exactly like it did as far as the time frame. Supers don't change World War II. They just add some... You know, weird aspects to World War Two. Okay, uh, that was we'll check it out. It was kind of a grim superheroes uh, uh, game. Uh, wasn't quite as grim as Old Man Logan, but it was pretty grim. Um, that was um, God. Who who published that? 
it was Detweiler who Dennis Detweiler was one of the uh, authors on it, and I cannot for the life of me remember. It went through a couple of different publishers. I can't remember where it ended up. It might have ended up over at Arc Dream for a while. Yeah, it says Arc Dream, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's where it's, it's at now. Yeah, Arc Dream. It started off someplace else, and I cannot for the life of me remember where. But um, there's an interesting Supers game. Um, Ken Heights, Ken Heights, Knights, Black Agents. Which is the spies versus vampires sort of okay. uh, game system, um, but it's very open ended. It's all you know, like you you get to pick what kind of vampire and you get to pick what kind of spies, and so it's 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 uh, there's no canon setting, right? You know, uh, you do what you want. Um, if you haven't run across that yet, check it out, especially the. Um, uh, they wrote a they wrote a whole campaign about Dracula that's just kind of fucking unbelievable. Where he went back through Dracula and basically decided that Dracula, the novel by Bram Stoker, is actually an after it is an edited, expurgated ax, after action report to MI6 on <laughs> on, a, on their attempt to uh, either kill. Or recruit Dracula as an asset for the British government. Cool. What was that one called? The Dracula yeah. dossier. And there's like there you can actually buy a copy of Ken Height has a copy of Bram Stoker's Dracula, where there's all these notes in the in the margins of yeah. the novel <laughs> that have been put in by three generations of British intelligence analysts from, from the eighteen hundreds, uh eighteen nineties, and then there's like a guy in post World War One, and there's like a World War Two era or Cold War era uh, guy who's commenting on it because Dracula is still around, and uh, you know, last time we checked, Vlad Tepish wasn't real big on Muslims, so maybe we can get Dracula to fight, you know, ISIS. That would be great, right? So that's sort of the whole point of the, the, the Dracula dossier campaign is that British intelligence has tried to recruit Dracula and force him to kill jihadists and make the world safe for democracy, which... If you look, there's there's actually quite a few actual plays that have come out. I can't remember exactly, but the, actually a, a quite a few, I think, that Ken actually ran when that first came out is actually really neat because it's, you know, it's Serbian mobsters. And so it is like a current setting but oh yeah you get you get the the bram stoker book with all kinds of end notes and in the marginalia of yeah they tried to recruit them and now's a good time to recruit them back kind of thing so it is actually pretty it's really good cool. yeah that does sound very cool yeah so i've got i've got my um my win for the session so i'll bow out now okay <laughs> all right i better thanks for, thanks for coming on no worries uh nice talking to you and happy 100s thank you sir see you Tondi. See you around. I better go too before I'm the guest who who hangs around the longest. Well, I, I was thinking we should probably start to wrap this up because we're we're like two and a half hours, so this can be one hell of a podcast to edit. <laughs> this is all done, so you know I might as well go. Oh yeah, well shit. <laughs> if that's the case, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm dry, so uh, this is we're done. <laughs> you have nothing more to offer me. You're right. <laughs> you fuckers.
<laughs> well, I, thank you guys for coming on. I, I appreciate you having it, uh, Scott. You've been a, a good friend to the show, and and I'm mm-hmm. you know I'm glad we get you out to get you distracted a little bit. You know, come in and just kind of swap stories and hang out for a little bit. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you. I, I appreciate your tolerance of my presence. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone, Barely. not everyone Barely. does. Believe me. <laughs> well, I well I. I guess you would know better. I, I, we always love having I'm, you around. I've been kicked off a better podcast than this. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, where are you located at? What region of the United States? Oh, um, this is Seattle. This is Seattle. Oh, okay. Yep. I am right down in the middle of the university district, just uh, just a few blocks away from the university itself, which has proved very handy in a couple of, you know, a couple of times that it's time to do research hmm. or uh, – or find cool maps. That's the other thing the university is very yeah, yeah. find cool, really detailed rural maps. Um, okay. There's all these like yeah. US, yeah. there's all these really cool U.S. government like U.S. Postal Service maps. And the best part okay. is you can find the period maps. So oh, you know, that's sweet. so it's like let's see what's this uh, what's this area of rural Vermont look like in the 1920s? You know. Yep. Uh, and that's the best thing ever is we can find the, um, find stuff that'll be, you know, open source because it's government documents and that goes right in the book. I'm a bit of a map head. I love, I could spend hours pouring over maps. It's just, yeah. Have you, uh, have you read the book, the, um, the Island of Lost Maps? No, I haven't. That sounds like uh, right up my alley. There's a book called the Island of Lost Maps. Yeah. And um, the Island of Lost Maps is about the, it's a true story of cartographic crime. It's about this weird underground industry made up of these guys who will go into, you know, libraries and cut the maps out of old books uh, for the purpose of selling them as works of art, uh, selling them to collectors. Um, And uh, it was really, it, it was a, strange little story about guys making you know money off of this kind of weird kind of theft you know but I'm buying that now. there you go check out the island of lost maps i'll have to throw that in the show notes yeah it's not gonna be well, it when when this is done i'll have to you know i gotta edit and i gotta make a whole bunch of notes first <laughs> so if anyone did say that they wanted a copy of uh unspeakable oath number one just send me their email addresses I'll throw it into a. I'll throw them some uh, the cop- copies through um, drive through RPGs, you know, reviewer copy mm-hmm. thing. Same thing for Brett. Red. Brett, Brett. Brett. Yep. With the yeah, just send me his email address and I'll I'll send him a, a link. Cool. Uh, Thank you, sir. Copy. We appreciate that. And uh, Kevin, thanks to you too for uh, for coming on. It's like two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning over there in the UK. Yeah, I'm working from home. Nice yeah, to meet you. It's all good. <laughs> school night? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's school break time, but then I'm working from home tomorrow, so it's all good. Oh, it's so it's seven thirty cool. here. I'm fine. I have a whole. Yeah. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> well, maybe not a whole. Evening, but not a very productive evening. Ten thirty here. Well, it kind of was. I'm going to kill this fucking cat. He keeps biting me. (laughs) Asshole.
<laughs> All right, before we get out of here, uh, since Lee is not on, we'll, we'll let you know that on Friday, she's going to speak with the Game Creators of London early in the morning. I think it's uh, 8.30 Eastern start time for that. They're the uh, the minds behind Lego Mindstorms. Uh, Michael Curtis of Goodman Games is coming back on. He's going to be on April 13th. Uh, they have the uh, the Lankmar stuff going on right now, so we're going to be talking to them about that. Uh, Monday, she's talking to Wayne June, voice actor of Darkest Dungeons. I mean, she's like, she's all over this thing now. Uh, May, May's coming up, and she's got Ross Lockhart. Jeff Richard is coming back in June. Uh, tons of stuff going on over there at, uh, at Chaosium. Uh, she's she's uh, really friendly with all those guys. Uh, so we'll have a bunch of that stuff coming up and, uh, you know, Leah will be handling all that, which we're super appreciative to have her on because, uh, you know, Leah takes the, takes the pressure off of us a little bit. Uh, she gives me a, gives us She's a breather once a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for nothing. Yeah. She, she gives us a break and, uh, yeah, we, we certainly appreciate her being on. I think when I dumped her doppelganger, I effectively blocked her from returning to the call, so that's all on me. <laughs> I did, did not realize that was going to happen. You essentially tagged her as a, an, uh, an undesirable. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's always a work in progress. <laughs> way, way to pay back all that hard work. That's I know, I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Oh shit. Well, it, again, thank you. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, yes, I'll, I'll have uh, links for, for Pagan and all that kind of stuff. We'll I'll have to compile show notes over the next day or so. And we'll, we'll get all those things in there. Hooray. Yay. Got to promote. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, um, Check us out, legendsoftabletop.com. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach out to it. Reach, wow, this is terrible. I do this all the time. You could reach out to us at legendsoftabletop at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Legends Tabletop. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. You know, you, you can find our feed on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Like the horoscope, like the horoscope. Yep. So uh, just, just look for us. Like find us. Yep. We, uh, we appreciate everybody checking this out. We, we, uh, are appreciative of the downloads and the, and the support for the sponsors and all those different things. Uh, Quick, this has on, been, hold on. Huh? hold on. Hang on. One more, one more threatening public service. announcement. <laughs> While you're on iTunes and SoundCloud and all the other audio wonderfulness that we have, that's out there on the inter interwebs. As you're listening, think of my voice telling you that at the end of your listening experience, you need to like us and leave a comment. Good or bad, doesn't matter. It all helps us. So please go ahead and do that. We'd be very appreciative. And we will not have to come find and beat you. <laughs> but bad comments are fine as long as they're constructive. I don't like it. Yeah, it's not really just, helpful to anybody. Thumb, yeah, don't just give a thumbs down and leave some douchey-ass comment. Be, be, use your intelligence. Because I know the people listening here are to be a gamer, you have to have some level of, of competence and intelligence. So go ahead and utilize that outside your comfort zone, stretch your brain and leave legends of tabletop a fucking comment. <laughs> fucking comment. That's violent. A fucking comment. Yeah. <laughs> God. As John said, something constructive, constructive. 
for Christ's sakes. <laughs> that, that too. You leave yeah. that I feel like I should end on that, but I'm going to also throw out, you can, you can catch Leah at Leah Tor at L-E-A-H-T-A-U-R on Twitter, and you can get those free Nintendo Wii U codes. So if you haven't done so already, you can go over and hit her up over there and uh, get your free Wii U codes. And uh, we appreciate everybody checking this out. We, we appreciate your support. Uh, this has been just a ton of fun over the last almost two years now. Uh, I'm from Scott. He's like, shut up and dump this. I know he wants, he wants to go so bad. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but we do. I mean, it, it's, it's a labor of love. It, you know, it's tons of work, but it, it's, it's cool being you know, a chance to hang out with, with, with Scott and Oscar and, and all these different people. And it, it's just been a, it's been a ton of fun. It's been a really fun ride. Uh, you know, we're planning on sticking around. We're looking for another hundred episodes. Maybe we'll add That's four right. more campaigns. Cause you know, geez, I'm not like super busy enough already. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see you, what happens. We can give you justification for your complaining. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.